0: For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.
1: And in a very sad start uh, to this morning's programme, the main story in the morning papers, which is, of course, that tragedy on the body of a girl of eight was recovered. A local councillor has says hearts in Cork are pouring grief the the family of an eight-year-old girl whose body was recovered from the water near Fountainstown following an extensive search operation yesterday evening. And uh, our own KC was there. He lives locally. Uh, you've children around the same age cohort as well, KC, and this was a really, really
2: sad and tragic event. Oh, um I hope I have my mic open. How are you? You have now. How are you, sir? um Yeah, so the messages started flying in locally to... Uh uh, to the WhatsApp groups and, you know, you'd have your groups of buddies and whatnot, uh, that there was a major incident down in Fountainstown. My own daughter started getting Snapchats from her friends who lived down uh, along the coastal area and she said there's there's a major emergency, Dad, going on down in Fountainstown at the moment. There's a little girl and she's gone missing. So, you know, you do what you can and uh, everybody just kind of made their way towards Fountainstone as quickly as possible. Uh, and you're standing there and, you know, the, by the time we got there, it was already a massive emergency service operation. So you know place. something serious is going down, but you you you're effectively helpless. You are. You're standing there. You you can't do anything. And you know, as many locals as possible turned out um, you know, to, to offer whatever they could for, just to be there to support everybody that was around. And some people headed down with the rocks and by the uh by the uh the shore area and everybody was doing as much as they could. By the time we had arrived, um there were so many ribs on the water the RNLI were out there the Coast Guard were out there the Guardie the, uh, the Fire Brigade everybody had set up a major incident uh, well, what we thought was a rescue operation which you know was silently whispered as a recovery operation and you know to see the parents of the little girl down on the beach uh, staring into the ocean is it's something I think that'll just haunt me forever and remain
1: with you and, and it was heartening to see the amount, uh, the almost immediate response from Pleasure Craft, local kayaking club, the Orneloy, the Coast Guard, Malus, Malus Search and Rescue, the helicopter. The place was swarming yeah. with people trying to help.
2: Um, one of the one of the local rescuers, uh, Owen, who is, um, I, I think Owen might be one of the call out volunteers for, for the local Coast Guard, uh, said, I've, I've never seen a response like this to anything. It was just everybody in the area, everyone at once, um, doing all they could, scrambling in the hope uh, to find the little girl. There was people wading through the shore, right right at the uh, the edge of where the where the sand comes in. Uh, there was divers out there. There was people just walking along the coast. Everybody was doing their bit. Um, and obviously, with a situation like this, when when the clock is ticking, you know uh, it's not going to be good news. And um, you know, people started to leave it started to get a little bit darker and I, I was asking one of the lads locally I said you know what is the situation when it gets dark like this because at that point I think the rescue helicopter um, would I be correct in saying um, Mick that it goes to Carrigaline to refuel it, it, that's
1: possible I yeah. know that came from either uh, Shannon or Waterford yeah um, it had disappeared
2: and came back so possibly to Cork airport
1: to refuel it, I don't
2: know d- so there was a bit of re- that's how long um, the aircraft was in the air and they were explaining that, uh, that particular aircraft, that rescue aircraft has, um, has got, uh, kind of a sensor equipment where it can see heat, like underwater, it can detect, uh, it's like, I forget the thermal imaging kind of a software that it has on board. And that's what it was using, uh, between a combination of cameras and thermal imaging to see if they could detect anything. And people started to leave then, uh, bit by bit. Some, some people stayed and we, we got the news 15, 20 minutes later um that the little girl had been found. It's a, it's a
1: small mercy but uh if not we would have had a, a massive uh, search today and that's yeah. that's you know in the face of tragedy that's a little mercy I think. It is. It is. It's
2: for, for the it's, parents. It's it's some comfort to them uh that they found her little body when they did. And you know what what can you say? I mean you can't say anything just you just people just need to be there for them you know now. Um there's a huge community down in Crosshaven Massive community of volunteers in the RNLI. They deal with this every day. Every day there's an incident, and we, you know, there's lots of stuff that we don't hear about. Unfortunately, it's only the, it's only the big events that make it to to, to news like this. But those people, my God, you know how they do it and how they psychologically deal with stuff like that. Um, you know, going out there searching for bodies. I mean, it happened in Passage West only last week. That's right. Uh, a uh, friend uh, of mine. Had another me.
1: fatality in Wexford yesterday. Unfortunately, the yeah. good weather. Uh, you know with with the good weather you're always tempered with the expectation, uh, expectation that oh we're going to have
2: some tragedies too it's it always seems to happen it it is it's like it's it's almost like a mathematically guaranteed with the amount of people that will be on beaches um and you'd wonder you know when it comes to things like this you know what is the what is the procedure around having more lifeguards on beaches when the weather gets better i mean do you know, can we expect them to be called out more Should it, when the weather is you know when we get these good spells uh are people automatically assigned to beaches i don 't know
1: because September can often be better than august yeah let 's go to victor shine Casey thank you very much. I know it was harrowing for you to be there, but like many people, you went to see if there's anything you could do uh, and had first hand experience of the of the trauma and the tragedy and the sadness and the futility of it all and um, there, there There were some rumors last night a big wave had come in and Pull the children from the rocks, and that the the boys had managed to swim ashore, and the little girl didn't. I, I guess that will all come out. I'm not saying that happened, uh, but that was certainly some of the speculation. Let's go to Victor Shine, who not only is the uh, second fire officer for Cork, uh, but also a member of Cross Saving light Thanks, Casey. Good morning, Victor.
3: Good morning. We have you now. So,
1: sorry for the first phone line not working there. No, uh, an awful tragedy. Tell us about your involvement.
3: Unfortunately, it was a shocking event that came to us at approximately 4.40 yesterday afternoon uh, when a notification of a child had gone missing at Fountainstone Beach. Um, I got down there uh, shortly after the notification and um, spoke to the uh, two children that had just come out of the water to be told that their friend was uh, in swimming with them. They uh, lost her. Her footing fell, and it was taken out by a current out into the outboards, the headland of Fountainstone Beach. Um, An immediate uh, search began. Those two um, kids were taken into care, and um, again, they were able to give us additional information on what the child was wearing and so on, and as much information and location to search. Um, The family member, her father, came to the beach in. A traumatic state, unfortunately, we gave as much assistance and kept him informed of what was happening. And as all that was going on, a massive um, search began involving multi-agencies, as you mentioned already, the lifeboat, the uh, Crosshaven Coast Guard unit, uh, Mallet Search and Rescue, um, the uh, customs, uh, the Cork pilot boat was there. You know, and lots of other uh, private um, vessels as well. And uh, Funky Town had their uh, local boat as well on the on the scene searching in close to shore. But it was all being coordinated from Valencia Coast Guard, where they have um, specific software for plotting tidal currents and situations like that to give us an indication what areas that we should focus our search on. That, that would so, have been
1: around low had, tide, though, wouldn't it? Would slack enough close?
3: Yeah, the tide was actually on the turn. It was actually coming in, which was to our advantage. So we were expecting that nothing would go offshore. Everything would be washed in. And again, from local knowledge, uh, we've had a lot of recoveries of um, dolphins and seals and so on like that up onto the beach. So our expectation was that during that recovery phase that the, um, the, the child would come in the direction of the beach and... As predicted, that did happen um, just at approximately seven uh, forty-five, just about quarter to eight that evening.
1: Just in time, really, before darkness, I suppose. Just in time. You would have yes. to stand everything down for safety, would you? Well, we we're actually planning uh,
3: a, an ongoing search even that late that evening as well. We were contacting local fishermen to uh, organise some nets that we could actually start think, to trawl that area as well. So there were. Uh, contingency plans being put into place even as it starts to get dark. So when there's children and situations like that involved, every possible effort is made. And you were mentioning helicopters as well. There were actually two helicopters involved in that search. They didn't even wait to refuel. They brought in a second helicopter. So one one went away to fuel, a second helicopter came in and took its place.
1: Okay, so a gargantuan effort, uh, not just from members master, of the yeah. public who had their own private leisure craft but from every available agency and the air support as well?
3: Everything, everything that could have been given was put, put at that situation. The, the child was recovered from the beach, um, uh, brought by a Coast Guard vehicle to Crosshaven Coast Guard Station where the family came up and spent some time with the child before being removed to the, the Cork University Hospital. So, again, support needs to be given out to all the schools. I was communicating with some schools there uh, this morning and last night as well because the, the amount of other people that are going to be affected is going to be huge. So... It's it's devastating for Crosshaven and the surrounding area. So it's, our thoughts go out to everybody and our sincere sympathies go to the family involved.
1: Yeah, and a very popular family apparently living in the area for about 12 years. Uh, so our sympathies and condolences are with them. Children in the affected school will be receiving counselling uh, today. Thanks, Victor, for giving us, um, you know, a very sad... Uh, but but very detailed account uh, of, of what happened yesterday. Life is so tenuous, isn't it? Yesterday morning, that little girl was playing and laughing in school, most likely, and uh, and then this tragedy can just happen in seconds uh, in an environment as dangerous as the water. It's uh, it's there for all of us to enjoy, um, but these things happen. Um, what, what what about KC's, final, finally? What, what what about when there's going to be sweltering weather, and when we've been waiting two or three months for it? is that expectant flock towards the beach doesn't it demand extra lifeguards uh, on the beach
3: um, every every time you have somebody going to the beach you have your own personal responsibility as well as uh, support from the other agencies whether it's the county council the coast guard or the RNLI and so on people must consider um, the conditions that they are actually entering the water in is there um, off on? Uh, large swells. There is there currents. Is there rips? Is it appropriate to be in the water at a particular time? Are they wearing the appropriate swimwear? Is it you know and so on. So swim to your capability. Swim parallel to shore. Swim within your depth. That if you do get a cramp or you do get into difficulty, you can stand up and walk ashore. Um, and don't try to swim alone. Swim with somebody that if you do get into difficulty, they can render assistance and uh, get you safely back to shore. So there's a lot of personal responsibility as well as that and supervision um, when you're involved in swimming or large group events and so on. So as you know, what happened around the country as well, there's mm-hmm. a huge amount and there are other agencies so after starting up, there's a, a group in Cork now that we're looking at um, the safety around keys and so on. That You know, so... It is evolving. Uh, safety concerns are being addressed. Uh, the There are lifebuoys, there are all additional kind of safety features along the shoreline that we need to be considering. We need to know where the nearest lifebuoy is to us. We need to know where the nearest defibrillator is to us and so on. Mm-hmm. So there, there are a lot of facilities there. It's just get to be get to know where they are, get to know how to use them and and care for them as well and give each other support and act in a, a responsible manner as well when you're okay. on or even near the water.
1: Thanks, thanks, Victor, for all you did and tried to do yesterday and all you guys continue to do in the uh, Cork Fire Service, uh, the Crosshaven or in Lion, and indeed to any of the first responders and rescue services that uh, continue to do their best to keep us all safe. Thank you, Victor. You're welcome. Cheers. Uh, f- finally, we got Paul Byrne, Virgin Media News Southern Correspondent, uh, one of the first reporters on the scene. How did you hear about it, Paul?
4: Uh, I got a, a call last evening. Mick. Uh, first of all, could I just sympathise with the family of this little girl on the loss of their little darling? Um, such a, such a sad tale. Uh, when I arrived in Fountainstone last night, it's every parent's worst nightmare, and to see the efforts the emergency services made last night was just unbelievable. They have to be commended. But while the searching was going on, the little girl's father was standing on the shoreline looking out to sea, praying and hoping that his little girl would be found alive and brought ashore safely. Unfortunately, we're talking a a different story today. But it was heart-wrenching, just heartbreaking to watch him there last evening as they were doing all they could to try and find his little girl. You can just imagine try to imagine what was going through his mind was he thinking of the last time he kissed her, the last time he hugged her, was he thinking of the day she was born, her birthday, the christening, just I presume his mind was racing last night but these people, the emergency services, they're worth every penny they're paid and ten times that amount because what they did last night they just went beyond the the the, the, the call of duty. Man, many was, of them are unpaid,
1: Paul, and, and, and depend yeah, on, volunteers on public contributions. Out
4: there last night, you know, volunteers out there last night wading through the water, up to their necks in water. And I said earlier to somebody, it was like as if they were looking for one of their own. They weren't going home until they got a result. last night. They were doing all they can. that rescue operation, unfortunately, became a recovery operation. And I suppose, look, there's no happy outcome, but if it's any source of um, comfort, thankfully we're not back there today looking for this little girl. Her body was recovered last night, and thankfully that might help to ease the burden of this nightmare that the family are going through today.
1: Yeah, a very popular family apparently, and, uh, and, and local in Crosshaven. And...
4: Yeah, they've been, they've been living there, I understand, for about 10 years, Mick, and this little girl had a twin. And um, obviously, the school where they attend, uh, where she attended, will be putting plans in place today to try and, you know, explain to her school pals what had happened and what, you know, how they're going to cope with it. Um, I I just don't envy any of their jobs today, the teaching staff up there or people in the community. But thankfully, at times like this, it shows that community spirit is a wonderful thing and people will be putting their arms around one another today and reaching out to that family and doing all they can at this horrific time.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it affected everybody who attended the scene, Paul. Uh, and, and especially, the you know, that poignant picture of the dad standing there looking out to sea, watching everybody trying to find his little girl. It's uh, harrowing for many people who, who attended. Uh, obviously not as harrowing as for that poor man and the extended family to whom... Our sympathies are extended and I I don't think there's anybody in Cork who's not thinking about that family uh, and sending love and positive messages and positive energy to them today in in this time of absolute desolation.
4: Yeah, Mick, as I said, look, these people were doing all they could last night. Those who could be on the water or in the air in the helicopters were doing their job. Those who wanted to be in the water but weren't allowed, they stood there in silence. And, you know, I think as the divers went on and the boats were on the water, these people who were standing there, they were praying for an outcome last night. But unfortunately, um, it it wasn't a positive outcome, but everybody was there, you know, last night hoping for a a, a happy ending to this horrific story. And I suppose, Mick, look, again, you, you can't imagine what was going through that man's mind, but... We have uh, a community morning today, and that family um, will be helped as best as they can. But I'll just leave you with this, Mick. I think, you know, for those who have children, maybe the children are there today at home with you or they're in school. When they come home, give them a hug, give them a squeeze, because, Mick, you really, we never know what's around the corner. Yeah
1: life is tenuous paul life is short it's so sad i don't think the community will be found wanting uh, in their support for this family but once again i know it's a cliché we're thinking of them praying for them our thoughts are with them uh, and i just don't know how they're going to get through this uh, this period of desolation and trying to come to some terms of understanding about the uh, the freak accident that befell their little girl. Thank you Paul Byrne, Virgin Media News Southern Correspondent. Uh, okay, we're better late than never, we'll get to our newspaper review in a moment.
5: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106.
1: Cork's Red FM. And with the time at 9.30, uh, let's have a quick look at the morning papers. Of course, the tragedy uh, makes the front page of most of the papers. Girl of eight dies in sea swim tragedy, a community's heartache as major search operation ends with body find a Community has been left heartbroken after the body of a young girl was recovered in a major search operation off the coast of Cork. Uh, we've covered it with uh, KC, with Paul Byrne and with Victor Shine. Uh, girl and OAP die in sea tragedies, uh, so says the uh, Inside of the Mirror today, continued from page one. Uh, also detailing uh, where a man in his 80s died at Coriclo Beach. In County Wexford, man punched bus driver in the face. Uh, has the Evening Echo Liam Halen reporting that a bus driver uh, was followed to the bus station on Parnell Place, and when he turned around to see the man behind him, he was punched in the face. Uh, Gary O'Halloran, aged 40, of Cork Simon Community, shouted, "You hit my friend!" and then he proceeded to punch the bus driver, striking him uh, in the nose and mouth. Uh, that's uh, the echo today. The examiner has man jailed for driving off without paying for diesel. There are some silly things to do and you might do that in error uh, because with the prepaid you can often go out and if you're used to paying uh, after you fill you can often drive off uh, uh, without filling and that's uh, that's a genuine error. Come back and get your fuel. Uh, but driving off and drive-offs uh, are becoming Uh, A huge problem for garages in Cork City, a district court judge has said. Judge Olin Kelleher was speaking as he jailed a man for driving off from a service station without paying after his passenger pumped over 87 euro worth of diesel into the car. Judge Kelleher imposed a six-month sentence on Aaron Sheehan uh, of no fixed address for stealing the fuel at the marina filling station on the Monaghan Road in Cork at lunchtime on June 19th. To compound the crime, the Volkswagen Passat, which 23-year-old Sheehan was driving, had been stolen earlier. Judge Keller imposed a concurrent six-month sentence on the defendant for the offence of driving a stolen car. The judge at Cork District Court said uh, drive-offs are a huge problem in Cork City. Uh, But a little on the silly side because of uh, four courts now being absolutely covered at every angle by CCTV. So the reg will be taken and eventually you'll be tracked down. Uh, The Echo is telling us that firefighters have accepted the WRC pay deal. Retained firefighters have accepted a pay deal that will see them be guaranteed a minimum yearly income for the first time. The Irish Daily Mirror has a story about uh, students cheating themselves Out of Leaving Cert points, 39 Leaving Cert students found to be cheating in this year's state exams have had their results permanently withheld. Figures showed the action by the State Examinations Commission, which also confirmed it provisionally, withheld uh, a further 21 uh, on a without prejudice basis. Uh, So the results have been uh, um, withheld. Uh, I, I suppose it's in the allegation phase. There is no prejudice and, and people can, uh, can fight their own case, I imagine. The 39 exam results permanently withheld this year includes full results withheld or marks withheld from candidates found to be in breach of the SEC's exam regulations. The permanently withheld results are open to appeal and the combined total of 60 permanently and provisionally withheld compares to the 61 result, uh, results in leaving cert exam which were permanently withheld in 2022 following the conclusion of uh, a review and appeal process uh, on the 39 students to have were result uh, withheld uh, a spokeswoman for the SEC stated due to the small number of candidates involved for privacy reasons we do not provide any regional or gender breakdown but uh, found to be in breach of SEC exam regulations I wonder what they were up to Uh, Was it just cogging? Was something caught on camera? Uh, I wonder how they were cheating. Tourist attack accused had distinctive Armani shoes. A teenager, this made the uh, TV news last night as well, a teenager alleged to have carried out vicious and unprovoked attacks on three English tourists in Temple Bar can be tied to the incident by his distinctive Armani runners, a court heard. Gardaí told Dublin District Court they could identify Scott Cattle, who's just 18 years of age, even though he had a hood pulled up during the alleged beating and robbery. Evidence was given that Mr. Carl of Walkinstown in Dublin uh, was denied bail yesterday, and Mr. Carl is accused of assault causing harm to two men and robbery of a third at Fowns Street. That's in Temple Bar, I think, on August 11th. The Kin Blue Line is the front page of the Sun today. Top guarder Drew Harris has flown to Dubai to try to get Daniel Kinahan and other evil cartel chiefs deported. Uh, The commissioner, who's pictured uh, on the front page, met with uh, officials there to discuss extraditing leaders of the organised crime gang that, quote, caused death and misery across the globe, unquote. To the Independent... This is going to be of uh, serious interest uh, to motorists. Kind of only broke this morning, but speed limits are uh, to be slashed on our roads. 100 kilometer per hour routes are going to go down to 80 kilometers per hour in the new plan. 80 kilometer per hour areas to be reduced to 60 kilometers per hour and the 30 kilometers per hour top speed for towns and housing estates is to be more or less extended and legally enforced. Speed limits are set to be cut on many roads as authorities seek to reduce the number of deaths and serious injuries. Uh, Limits lowered to 80 on national secondary roads, 60 on local and rural roads and 30, and these are all kilometres per hour, in town centres and housing estates as part of a government overhaul. Irish Qantas uh, chief comes crashing to earth but is still in line for a 14 million euro payoff. Uh, That's about 24 million US dollars. Uh, This happened yesterday morning, but the Irish chief executive of Australian airline Qantas has been forced to quit. But he's still in line for a golden handshake worth over 14 million euro. Alan Joyce is just 57. He was due to exit the company in November at the AGM, but has been put under growing pressure in recent days throwing the airline into crisis mode. Now, this is a man that the shareholders of Qantas would have been extremely happy with and uh, will be sorry to see go. But public perception has been uh, going down uh, in sentiment uh, over the last number of, e- number of years and Qantas has come under increased scrutiny since it posted a $2.5 billion profit last Thursday as it received uh, 7- $2.7 billion in Australian government covid handouts so it looks as though they were playing all sides of the game here mr joyce's role in the australian government's decision to ban qatar airways from adding 28 more australian flights to a schedule has also been questioned so uh, is it a little cozy cartel that was designed to protect the market share of qantas rivals claim the move has inflated australian airfares by around 40 percent for passengers the airlines also facing multiple legal actions over tickets sold for already cancelled flights. There's a number of things here. There's about a half a billion US uh, or Australian dollars in uh, vouchers uh, for people who couldn't fly because of the COVID flying restrictions. Uh, and the uh, company on the book stops with Ellen Joyce uh, put the deadline of December 31st on using these kind of forcing people to travel. Uh, Now it's had to back down and do a U-turn and say, that's open-ended. Whenever you uh, want to use that voucher, uh, you can. Otherwise, they may have been legally forced to refund all the vouchers. There's another story of uh, Qantas selling uh, tickets for flights that they knew were already cancelled. So the airline is facing multiple legal actions over tickets sold for uh, already cancelled flights and passengers unable to get their money back for trips axed during COVID. It's an intriguing story if you want to delve into it yourself. Uh, I'm not sure is this... Uh, it, he's got a very strange accent, actually. It's kind of half Dublin um, and kind of tinged with Australian. Uh, but it throws you off because there's some words when he speaks are pure Australian. And then you hear pure dub as well. But well, that's Alan Joyce uh, now stepping down as chief executive of Qantas and uh, we'll have more from the morning papers during the course of the program
5: call the Neil Prenderville show now 0818 104 106 Red FM
1: and good morning from the Neil Prandeville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy, 19 minutes to 10 o'clock. Seamus Irwin joins me on line two, who is an agent for Forward Developments Limited. Now, you've got a number of properties, uh, Seamus, and not just here, uh, in Cove and Cork here, in Kerry and in Mayo, and you have council tenants residing. So you're an agent for Forward Development and your speciality is really providing accommodation for council tenants. Good morning. Good morning, Mick. Now, you were on with Neil about a year and a half ago, 18 months ago, when a tenant destroyed one of the apartments. What happens in that situation? This is: Are we talking about a privately owned apartment availing of the HAP scheme to facilitate the accommodation of a council tenant? Is that correct?
6: Yes, that is correct, yeah. That so, is correct, yes. And, so, and, and in that occasion, we had to foot the bill ourselves. It cost us 6,000 euros.
1: So who foots that, Bill? The private owner of the accommodation or...?
6: Yes, yes, the private owner of the accommodation, yeah. All right. Yeah. Unfortunately, the council wipes their hands. What the council says to us is, you know, it's between the tenant and the landlord.
1: Okay, I'm looking at the photographs. Uh, I'm not sure is this the recent one or the one from a year and a half ago, but you wouldn't...
6: No, these these, these are the recent ones now. This is a different apartment in the same place in the same block, but it's it's a different
1: tenant. It's Can I ask different. you, these, these photographs are so shocking. Was there yes. someone living in this up to the point yes. of these photographs? Yes. Uh, up th- to two
6: weeks ago. Up to two weeks ago. Up to two weeks ago. Now, we we, we, we had a council inspection about three months ago, maybe or three and a half months ago, and when we knocked at that door, we were not allowed in. ...to inspect the property. Now, as you know yourself, all during COVID, you couldn't go in. And we we, we respect that and we appreciate that. But, but like, COVID is, is over and done with now... ...and the council wrote to us... ...saying that they wanted to inspect these properties... ...and when we came to this property... ...the tenant would not allow us access. So we had no other choice, only walk away... ...the council inspector and myself... And about two two weeks ago, maybe they I got notification that the guardie were called their the fire brigade and the ambulance, and that this tenant was taken away. Now they, to gain access, they had to bust in the window number one, not to, not break the glass now, but they took the window out of the frame. Now i i i, I I'm led to believe that it was the guardD that done that. To, to gain access, to, to get this person out. What was wrong with them, I haven't a clue. Now, I did go to the Gardaí uh, last Monday, a week, Monday gone by, to know where this tenant was and what was the situation, and they, they told me they could not divulge any information whatsoever to me. So I, in turn, then we had to get a uh, window crowd out to replace the window and change the locks on the door. That i done, because everything was wide open, and with the consequences that we boarded the, the, the apartment up. Now, we took those photographs, which are shocking.
1: shocking. There, 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 there are no words I can use on the radio to describe exactly. the exactly. absolute filth. Exactly. Uh, oh, my God, I'm just looking exactly. at one of the toilet pictures, but you, yes. you couldn't even walk through exactly. the place with the rubbish... Exactly and somebody exactly. was living in these conditions. I mean you would say something exactly. if 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 there was a if there was an argument and somebody had it in for you and they trashed exactly. the place. But this isn't this isn't trashing exactly. a place or breaking stuff up. No, no, this, no. Has this has no. to have been no. someone living in squalor uh, and exactly. and it's getting worse and worse and worse. So, so we're we're, we're going to post the photos on our Twitter feed uh, and people yes. will see exactly what I mean. How yes. anyone could live uh, yes. in 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 this yes. squalor is you wouldn't put it wouldn't put an animal into it, and I'm not trying to. Exactly. I'm not trying to no, raise I mean, the irk of animal yes. lovers, but uh, exactly. This is this is like, this is like a sty. This is absolutely covered in. Yes. i I can't even describe half of it.
6: Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, you know, we have to face into that now and clean it out.
1: So you you've boarded it up for now, but but what's yes. what's the essence of the contract, if you like, uh, that you with have contract, you have uh, with the council? The
6: con- the, you see, the council come, the council come, right, and they and they they um, assess the property first. They that it's suitable for a tenant, that it's clean, spotlessly clean. That everything is, is there. They inspect the property, and they then put a tenant in. They give you a tenant, right, and they pay. They pay the rent and the tenant pays so much per week yeah they uh, back so much right but how, now, how
1: is that tenant then, vetted to your satisfaction as the provider of the property
6: well this, they're not being vetted at all it's as simple as that they're not they're only vetted by the council like we have no background of what these people are now there is there's two or three more tenants you see where, where <laughs> the problem we have the problem we have is that on our contracts, there are no pets or nothing else, okay? And, and if there was to be a, a, a pet allowed, it has to be in written consent from the landlord or his agent, okay? Okay. Now, these people, these are one-bedroom apartments. These are one-bedroom apartments, right? Now, these people come along then when they're in there a couple of months and they bring a dog, they get a dog, Now, that dog has no place to stay, only inside in that apartment. Now, if that that tenant decides then to abscond for a week or two weeks or three weeks in some cases, the dog is left in these properties with nothing to eat, nothing to drink, and then the dog starts eating his way out of that property. Now... In, 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 in that circumstance, up there, stairs in that, going into that bathroom, the door is eaten, a third of the door is gone, completely.
1: I can see it's, it's not very plainly evident, but if you're if you if you're yeah. looking for it, you can actually see it.
6: You can see the diagram down on the door, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes, correct, you know. And, 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 and I got the dog warden out there to get these dogs removed, and the dog warden says, well, we can't do nothing, you know. The dogs look healthy. We can't do anything about it. Now, there's other tenants in there on the same thing. They were issued with removal of these dogs about six weeks ago or seven weeks ago. They got two weeks to get rid of them. And they give you the two fingers when you go in the gate. They give you the two fingers. So, like, you know, you ring the council. The council says it's between the landlord and the tenant. You you bring out the dog warden. He says it's between it's between you and 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 the tenant. So like you 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 know you're fighting a losing battle from the minute you allow these people into your property.
1: So where 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 do you stand as an agent for Forward Developments? Then are you going to be uh, rescinding your your willingness to engage well, well, with the council?
6: Well, well, what I did, what I what I have I, I have said this to the council there on Monday that that I have told the the inspector and I've told the, the the place finders that we will have no other choice only close the doors and give these people these tenants twenty eight days notice to, 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 to get out because there is no way will it pay us to keep those tenants like there's you know no exaggeration. It'll cost ten thousand to put this back on the market again if if you wanted to rent it out. That's what the damage we're talking about, €10,000. And the council says, well, we, you get no help from us, it's between the landlord.
1: And a tenant. Okay, a couple of pertinent questions here, and and I wouldn't doubt for a moment uh, that what yeah. I'm seeing is is going to, and we will put it up on our Twitter for everybody else. No point in yeah. me talking about pictures; we'd we'll put yeah. it up for everybody to see. But there's no doubt in my mind it'll cost you ten thousand. Now you know that's yeah. a, a couple of days yeah. with five or six people and a skip. Uh, yeah. But then you've got well, the, all, all uh, of the all uh, uh, of the dog feces, if, if if they exist, the fact that yeah. the, a dog yeah. may have been using it as a toilet with nowhere to go. Yeah. Uh, yes. and, and all that. So, is yes. this making you review your policy on HAP?
6: A hundred percent, yes. Now, the council, <laughs> I, I said to the council inspector the other day, well, I will be putting a skip there, and everything inside that will have to be skipped. Oh, he said, you can't do that. You've got to keep their valuables. I said, how oh, in the name of God can you take somebody's valuables out of that?
1: So, it, it just seems to me like they have all the rights the, ta- the taxpayer is, is, is paying Correct. a subsistence for their accommodation. Correct. They have Correct. no respect for the accommodation. They have no respect Correct. for the landlord or the agency yes. or the council. They completely Correct. thrash it, bring it into an uninhabitable yes. state. Uh, and yes. then do they expect to go off and get another brand new property or habitable property?
6: This, 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 this. I, I asked the council that. And unfortunately, that's what's happening. The council will put them up in hotels and they'll put them up in guest houses and they'll, uh, until they, another property or until another tenant landlord comes along and says, look, I have a couple of properties, and then they'll stick these people into them again.
1: But where will they get a reference? They're not going to get one from you.
6: <laughs> not just uh, You can bet your life on that one. Yeah, but they don't need references, you see. They don't need references. They don't need them, you see. Okay, because uh, the, council, the council are speaking for them. The council are, 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 the council are their representative to the landlord. The council brings these people into you.
1: So what's the solution here, Seamus?
6: You have no way of knowing whether it's a drug addict, an, an alcoholic, you know, a paedophile. You have no idea what is coming into you until six months down the line, until they start doing their own thing. And then, you know, you put two and two together and say, Jesus, what's happening here?
1: So it, it would seem to me that a landlord who, who was giving his or her property over to an agency uh, yeah. and, and then this happens is a pretty bad business to be in. A hundred,
6: exactly. And it is no wonder, it is no wonder, you know, that landlords are pulling out by the drove because, like, there is no way... You know, like getting 3,000 or 4,000 or 5,000 a year for your property and and you spend 10,000 on it to bring it back into where it should be. Now, as I said to you, two years ago, we spent 6,000 on that property. On that property.
1: Oh, it's happened to the same property, has it?
6: This property, we spent 6,000 euro two years ago on this property, just before COVID came in. Two years ago. We put in new floors, new kitchens and things, and like, to look at that today, you know,
7: it's it's it's
1: disgusting. Well, we're putting really it up on Facebook through, as well, yeah. I, I heard. Yeah. just Not just on Twitter, but it'll be up on Facebook as well. What's the yeah. solution here? For you guys, you got to look at your own solution. You s- maybe stop accepting Correct. HAP. That compounds exactly. the accommodation uh, problem that the, exactly. that the country is that's facing. I, do, 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 do the private LK? landlords go to the private market, so? Well,
6: that's what we have to do. You know, or else close the door and and, and 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 and
1: you know forget about it it's as simple as that how do, how do we you, stop you, this from happening are are, are there I, no i mean if back in the day a, a landlord would probably call once a month to collect the yeah. rent, when the rent was in cash and when there was no electronic transfer and standing orders weren't uh, the, the order of the day. Now now everything can be done digitally, of course. Uh, but, yeah. but landlords would have a right to call and inspect their property. Are those rights taken from landlords now?
6: What are they taken? Uh, 100%. Like, these people will tell you, these people will tell you, if you knock at the door, these people will tell you, to F off, it's my property. Get out of my property.
1: So that's the psyche. That's the mindset they have now. Where, yes. where, whereas back yes. in the day, uh, somebody yes. would be delighted to have a, a, a decent rent, somewhere to yes. stay, and, and would, would have, can, can I venture, would have had more respect for landlords?
6: Oh, dear, well, yeah, you can, you, can, you, you, you can say that, yes. Yeah, you can say that, yeah, yeah. And say it freely, really and truly. Like Now, during COVID, you know, there's kind meters in these properties, and during COVID, you couldn't go in to to upgrade those meters, you know, to up the rent and those meters for the DSP meters now we're talking about. Okay?
1: Yeah, because and, the rents did go up. The, the meter standing charges oh, went then, up.
6: Yeah, oh, oh, you made Yeah, the, the DSP bills went up and electricity rose 300% in, in reality. Now, when these meters were put in in, in, in 2019, 2020, they were set at 25 cents per unit. Now you know yourself, electricity... It's about 40 COVID, cents, about
1: 40 cents a unit now on a deal.
6: 44 cents, actually, okay. 44 cents, right? And we rose those metres up because we were paying the main bill all during COVID. So we rose do, those bills up to 60 cents per unit to, to get back our own money that, that we had spent out on those, right? And we, we, we have been told that it's illegal to do that by the tenants, not by the council, but by the tenants are telling us, you know, that what we've done is illegal. So you the te- te- tenants are well-versed
1: to the letter of the law with their own rights then?
6: Exactly. And it it wasn't illegal all during COVID to get electricity at 25 cents when it was 40 and 44 and 45
5: cents. <laughs>
1: You know? I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering what direction you're going to take from here. Is it, is it going to be? A, you must be representing many um, private landlords. Will you all collectively take a decision to, to change course here, or what?
6: Well, we have no other choice. We will have no other choice in the matter. Like now, I will have to get onto the company as well that that I work for, and I will have to ask them of their what do they think like, because I know that they are not going to spend ten thousand again on this apartment. They'll say, Leave it boarded up. Leave it boarded up. Now, I have spoken to the guardian in Mallow, right? And and, and and when this person comes out of hospital or wherever they are, I haven't a clue where they are because the guardian wouldn't tell me. Right? Now they're going to come back to this property. Are they going to break in? Are they going to break in? Are are are, are we going to get any any satisfaction from the guarantee. Are we going to get help from the guarantee when they come back can we ring the guarantee and say well this person is breaking into our property Mm. He's going to say, well, it's their property. Exactly. You know
1: what I mean? Uh, Seamus Irwin, thank you for coming on. I think it's time to get into a different business, open a dog grooming business or a tattoo parlor or something. (laughs) Will will you keep in touch with us on progress and and, and what happens here? Because this must be happening across the country to some extent. Seamus Irwin, an agent for Forward Developments Limited, thank you very much. It's two and a half minutes to 10 o'clock. News at 10 is on the way on The Neil Prenderville Show. Now,
5: The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM.
1: At eight and a half minutes past ten o'clock, to line one and to Sinn Fein councillor Mick Nugent of the Northwest Ward. Good morning to you, Mick. Morning, Mick. Now, as you'll have heard in in our news bulletin, and I'm sure you're well across the story. The story: a provider has been found for the before five preschool. The future of the family centre has been secured for the children of the Northside. Can you first take us back into a little uh, of the history of what went on here?
0: Um, yeah, as um as discussed on your show um, very kind of late in the day, there was notice given to uh, parents and the staff of the before five family centre that it was closing. Apparently, there had been another provider due to come in at that stage to look to assist before five staying open, but that didn't happen. So, I suppose we had to we had to rally fairly fairly quickly and try and see what the other um, providers out there interested and There was a uh, Interest there, and we had the protest as you know last week. And myself and Thomas Schools, and Eric and Collins as well last ride and Kathleen Function, um, our dialogue spokesperson was down as well. We met parents and staff, so everybody was hope- hopeful, Mick, and that something was would happen. And we are expecting announcement um, early in this week. And thankfully, you know, that's come to pass, and we have a new provider now coming in to uh, take over in the weeks ahead, you know.
1: Okay, and before five, was that, was that a private preschool? No, it was a community... Community um,
0: preschool. Community, community child, child yeah. care. Uh, a family centre, actually, and in almost yeah. 50 years there, make a bit of an institution, really, with the preschool, the creche, the after school, the parent and toddler classes, adult education... It really was kind of much-loved um, facility in the north side and, in fairness, people came out, community came out to assist the staff and parents to rally and to make sure that we we just couldn't lose this service, Mick.
1: OK, so the, the closure was announced with very short notice. Do you know what forced that closure? Was it costs, insurance, staff? Well, the letter
0: that um, went out to stakeholders and the parents and staff cited a number of reasons. Uh, financial issues were cited. Regulations, difficulty. well, you no know, difficulties with new practices and getting staff. No, that's what the outgoing board said. No, the staff are there, you know, but that's just a number of things that were cited in the letter from the outgoing, the outgoing board, um, Mick.
1: Okay, because uh, as you may have heard on the news, uh, the staff are pretty much still in limbo, albeit it's good news for the parents.
0: Yeah, and we need and we need to push that in terms of the staff. I'm I'm presuming as it's a new company and uh, the outgoing company went into liquidation uh, Monday. That they ha- they may have to advertise um, the positions, but we were hopeful and that's something myself and Kenneth and Thomas will be doing in, in terms of engaging with Cork City childcare and the new providers. Uh, we need to talk to them now in terms of you know it makes a world of sense, Mick, doesn't it? To, to yeah, to, the, to have the, the experience idea. and the exactly.
1: heritage
0: 40, and the familiarity yeah. of the staff. Fourteen uh, staff, that, fourteen staff there who've been there some twenty, thirty years. You know, who are very familiar with the parents and, and most importantly the children. You had to know um, aims course there for children with additional needs. So I think it's the you know I think it's a priority really that the staff that are there would would be taken on and I think we need to work on that.
1: Would the staff that were let go or maybe maybe as shocked by the closure as the parents, would they have been entitled to statutory redundancy?
0: Yes, yes. Th- yeah, they are indeed, yeah. They are indeed. Um, they are indeed. And I know they're working with their trade union representatives on that, but they are. They are. But I think I think everybody would agree that it would be a priority, and it would be fantastic to see the staff um, taken on again in the new
1: the new provider, you know. OK, well, I have a statement here from Northside Community Enterprises, which I'll read out to you, Mick. Um, NCE Northside Community Enterprises are delighted to announce that we will be providing a childcare service in Churchfield Hill, Cork. We have been providing high-quality childcare services on the north side of the city for nearly 28 years. We're in the process of taking all necessary steps to to be compliant with TUSLA regulations and be in a position to welcome children and families into the service. This will take several weeks but we have support from all key stakeholders to ensure this is completed as quickly as possible. As we prepare to open this new service we would encourage all parents and guardians to register their interest with Cork City Childcare by phoning 021 431 that's 021 431 or emailing info at corkcitychildcare.ie that's info at corkcitychildcare.ie and give the required information the service will provide the ecce scheme that's the free preschool scheme which is available to all children who have turned two years and eight months of age by the 31st of august 2023 just gone by we will also provide a sessional crash service for children aged two years plus, uh, please contact Cork City Childcare if you wish to attend our service. Parents and guardians who've expressed interest will receive updates when available on when the service will open and our operational times. We extend our sincere thanks to everyone for their support and kindly request your patience uh, during this process. And that is from Janet there. So, so that's good. But of course, the real hub of the issue is uh, the staff have no entitlement to take back up the roles if they've got their statutory redundancy. Those roles are going to have to be advertised and uh, and interviewed for, uh, and I would imagine that uh, the same would apply to children and families and parents who would be applying. That it's going to be on uh, you know on an assessed basis. Do, do, do you know if the children who were, who were previously attending have any rights in that regard? I would think not.
4: Um.
0: I mightn't say that there, but I think I think that would be the case. I think that would be the case, Mick, you know, it's up to um a hundred children. But I think the key thing is what you've outlined there is parents registering um as quick as quick as possible, you know. I mean look, there's a lack of, there's a lack of spaces around um but there was a hundred children availing of services there. That's the capacity the before five um has. So I'd imagine that a lot of the yeah, children pretty much the out, same group of yeah. children
1: will will be applied yeah, for. Yeah,
0: I would. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and I think makes as I said, it makes a lot of sense that the, the staff that were there would be would be taken on again, and um, that's what we need. That's what we need to see happen. Um, but it's you know it's it's a fantastic announcement. Uh, to be fair, in terms of. But outside the North Side people came together to support the Before Five.
1: Yeah, tell me a little uh, if you would, McNugent uh, of Sinn Fein about the people power that was involved in the good news here.
0: Yeah, I mean look we had uh, we had the, th- uh, the protest last last week. Um there was two hundred plus um two hundred plus there, which was you know, just fantastic turnout, and we're respecting the same the same today. So there's a huge amount of goodwill out there and and support for the before five. I said it was nearly 50 years um, in existence, you know, it was kind of a wrong wrong groundbreaking facility um, at its time, and people just didn't want to let it go. Um, I think, you know, I think the answer was saying, you know, we've lost services before, we've lost facilities, we're not going to stand fresh in this regard, you know. And so people came together and they rallied, and we've had a successful result, and it's, you know, it's great to see it, and hopefully we'll get things back there now. so, when I the time really is of, is of the essence. For you know, a number of parents were telling us, us that last week at the meeting, the heart, you know, that they're concerned for particularly children with additional needs, um, that they don't, you know, start slipping back. You know, they need they need the service. And hopefully they will be put in place within within the number of weeks. You yeah, know.
1: I, I I think one of the biggest delays in staffing for something like this is Garda vetting. But you would imagine that that anyone who would be applying as, as, as a qualified uh, qualified childcare assistant or whatever would already have the Garda vetting that's current and would be would be accepted. And exactly,
0: the, exactly. Yeah. and hopefully that you know, hopefully that would sp- add speed things up as well for uh, the staff that are there who, who are applying. You now uh, for this, for the new provider, the new company t- um, taking over, but. I think we're we're going up this afternoon. I think the protest is more probably a celebration. Our recommendation today I happen to outside uh, before five and we'll start the conversations as well today with the staff and what's the what's the next steps in engaging with the new provider in COX Care in terms of um Pushing that the staff will be will be taken on there. Yeah. I think that's very important because, you, as you've um, outlined yourself, I, I'm, sh-
1: I'm sure the staff are very happy for the outcome, if, if uh, a little in limbo as to uh, individual. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah, I know,
0: I know. Yeah, I know they will because from talking to them and meeting them and knowing them, um, a number of them for many years, and at the meeting last Friday in the hut in Grand, you know, you could see and uh, some of the children were there. You could see the interaction there. We know they go the staff that were there go. Oh went above and beyond, you know, really in terms of engaging with the parents and, and the children, you know. So All right. you could see you could see that and that's important to you know that that the staff will be would be taken on there, you know, and we get this and then I say in the number of weeks ahead there'll probably be the the preschool and the crash will be the first services there. But it'll be good to God the other services there the after school and even the likes of parent education uh, groups and education and courses as well there because it's a family centre really. Yeah, but well, a little, a little bit of patience system. is
1: going to be needed on the on the family's yeah, behalf yeah, before yeah, things yeah. bed yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so, but I think
0: we'll get there. We'll okay. get there all walking together, you know.
1: Thanks, Councillor McNugent, Nor- Thanks, w- Northwest Ward for Margaret. Sinn Féin. I think the message here is that the, the north side won't take any loss of services lying down. But for now, enjoy the celebrations. Thanks, Mick <laughs> Talk to Neil
5: Prenderville now, 0818
1: 104 Cork's Red FM. 10.21, good morning and good morning to John Malloy. Thanks for joining us, John. How are you, Mick? How are things? I'm good. Now, your daughter is in fifth class, but she hasn't seen a school dentist in a while. How long?
8: Yes, Mick, that's correct. Uh, she hasn't been seen at all. She hasn't been seen at all, at all.
1: to be honest with you. No, she hasn't, no. Um,
8: basically, Mick, the, the background in it is... Um, the pre-COVID you could um get a second and sixth class uh, checkup. Um when you hit second class and sixth class you're seen by the the school dental checkup appointment system. And um so COVID obviously caught in, in and due to the worldwide pandemic, obviously everything was put on hold, which was understandable, but it seems to be an excuse they're, they're still using at the moment that they're trying to get through the backlog since COVID and they don't know when they'll be seen. So um, I have an older child, he's, he's in um, TY, and he went through six years in primary and he was seen in sixth class, but that was pre-COVID. Um, since then, nothing, um, I've been told I rang. There is an emergency number you can ring and they will see the child if they have real pains and stuff like that. They'll see him within maybe 24 to 36 hours. Like you could knock that service; it's pretty good, and they act on it very, very fast. Um, but just for today's purpose, Nick, before I spoke to you, I have a number of a place in Mallow, and that's where they do the checkups. And I rang yesterday just to get a bit of a heads up on us. I said so I get a bit of a steer before I speak to you this morning and um, I basically spoke to the girl over the phone. Um, I take nothing away from her. She was very nice, very friendly, very nice to deal with, but obviously she's only feeding back to me what she's been told, and she just says um, the COVID excuse is being used again. Now, like, it seems to me as if COVID is kind of being used at the moment as a scapegoat, and I kind of explained to her that my child was in fifth class, and she basically said to me, well, she won't be seen this year or next year. They're only getting through first-year students this year that have gone through six years in
1: primary that haven't been seen. That's, so, a, that, that's amazing. They're using the COVID backlog for things like the uh, the driving test, the theory test, the NCT. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a common feature. What's your understanding, John? Of, What's your understanding of a child's entitlements going through primary school? Uh, well, and, and do you think the, gov- the government is abdicating its responsibility towards oral health?
8: Well, I think so, to be honest, Mick, um, because you know, like, kids growing up, it's, it, you, can, you can parent them and you can acknowledge them the best you can about fizzy drinks and sweets and what have you, but you still, like, take a bush of tea every day, and that could be very good, but at the end of the day, they still need to be checked by a professional. We are only parents. We don't have the degree. We don't have the education on parental or on dentistry requirements, and that's all. It's just a basic check-up. And it's after falling between two stools now, Mick. And it doesn't, I don't see any headway yet as to when they're going to um, get to see these kids. Now, I spoke to my own dentist, um, obviously, and I've explained them to them about this, and they're completely knocked on the head. They said no. It's no excuse. Um, they, they should be seen. The dentists are there. Now, during COVID, there was a lot of dentists. Uh, she told me, were deployed to the drive-thru centres and to different areas to do the swabbing. A lot of them didn't go back into the service for a long time afterwards when they opened up after COVID. And B, a lot of dentists have left the service and travelled abroad for reasons unknowing. I don't know. Do you believe that to What's be true? true? Oh, yeah. I have no idea, Mick, to be honest, but this person, I know her very well, and she said, no, it's not true. You need to go back and explain to them that they need to be seen. But I said, look, I, I, I'm I, only the middleman here, and like, I'm, I'm kind of being told two stories, but that's why I'm throwing it to out today, Mick, to see if any other people had any other experience that I had. I have another girl. She's in third class. So going by what I was told yesterday about my child in fifth class not being seen this year. It looks as if my child in third class will go all through primary school and she won't be seen until first year.
1: Okay, I'm, so I'm just trying I, to I, get a handle on the children's rights because there are always private dentists you can go to if you can afford that. And is, is that are, what you think is happening? You're being pushed towards private spending?
8: I think I've been to, yes, to avoid, to avoid uh, waiting to see the, the entitlement, which is in the primary school service. It's, like, it's a school dental checkup. That's been there years. You're seen a second and sixth class and you're 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 being pushed right through to first, you know, before you've been seen. I have a good friend of mine, his niece or his daughter, um was had her checkup actually. She was lucky, she was seen a sixth class, she won the lucky ones and she requires getting a bit of dental surgery to her teeth and she's definitely told, she's definitely gone through the private sector because by the time she'll be seen again it'll be too late her teeth will be gone too far they'll need to get it done so as far as I'm aware Mick when you're in primary school if you require braces or stuff like that you're covered but when you go into the first year it's kind of gone you're gone from it then you have to pay for it yourself so a yeah, lot
1: and, of people and, and have I to, know and, I know of parents who, who've been told with young children in school start saving now for the braces they will need in secondary school that, that's yes. almost an admission that the, that the service isn't up uh, up up to standard progress, for those no. young kids. Yeah.
8: All right. Yeah. No, like I, anyone we have dealt with. Make in terms of if we have a dentists. I think we met one. I'm not taking away from the fantastic work they're doing. They are very helpful when you get to see them. And I had my child twice at the emergency service in Frome, and they were very good. The staff are exceptional as well. But it seems to be COVID is being used as an, as a kind of a an excuse. Um, to hold up the whole service. I All don't right. think they're investing enough money
1: in John, it. John, will you stay with me from a personal perspective? We may bring you back in, but I'm joined now by Fintan Haran, who is the CEO of the Irish Dental Association. Uh, very good morning to you, Fintan. Hello, Fintan. Uh, yeah, I can hear the birds in the background, but I can't hear Fintan. Hello, I guess we'll tr- we'll try and come back to him. Hello, Fenton. It's funny the birds are so clear, isn't
8: it? He be brushing his teeth.
1: All right, let's leave the birds and we'll see if we can uh, we'll ring Fenton again. Uh, so, John, um, I, I have a a piece here from the press uh, saying that the Irish Dental Association has requested urgent support to save many practices on the brink of collapse. Uh, amid the corona crisis now uh, this this was obviously during the corona crisis uh, and obviously people were precluded from going to their dentists Um, but they even went as far as writing to uh, the Taoiseach the Minister for Health party leaders uh, and really explaining that by the nature of their work dentists are one of the most vulnerable groups of healthcare professionals to a virus like COVID-19 now there are many trades and professions that had to sit through and not being able to work during during the COVID, you would imagine dentistry, with its high access points for university, uh, and is is a high return profession because you're spending six or seven years in third level education to become a dentist. Um, can you actually believe that the profession, uh, you know, whatever about during COVID would be in crisis or on the brink of collapse?
8: Well, look, are they after setting the threshold too high, as in the points system? Who knows? Or if you travel abroad, is it a bit less relaxed? Maybe. Maybe that's why people could be leaving the country to go over abroad and, and experience it there. And they might, get, they might get their badges, as they say, a bit faster. But yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, like, I'd like to know the percentage rate of people that have
1: actually gone into dentistry in, in Ireland in the last five um, years. Because Well, Fenton should be here now. You there, Fenton? Yes, I am. Hello, Michael. I'm still hearing the birds in the background, but that's fine. Um, Hello, Finton. Hello, John. You, You've been listening to my conversation with John Malloy, who is a concerned parent. Uh, now, you're the CEO of the Irish Dental Association. Are the government prioritising oral health enough? Is there enough resources?
9: No, I'm sure. Tr- absolutely. What, what John has said, what 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 everyone has uh, any dealings with the service knows, is that dentistry is such a low priority. Now, you know. The inevitable result is is when it is neglected and what isn't treated as a priority, then you have huge problems in providing dental care. The problems that we're hearing about in Cork, that's the worst I've ever heard that you know, there are now children not being seen at all in primary school because there aren't enough dentists working in the HSE. The HSE has let the service um, fall apart. Uh, we have, we'd need 100 dentists in the morning to get back to where we were 15 years ago. And, you know, when you don't have dentists, then the, the consequences are that instead of children being seen in three different classes at primary school, which is the official policy going back 30 years, we now have a situation where in more and more parts of the country, children aren't being seen in primary school at all. And then we know what the consequences for the children are.
1: Is it time to have a full time dentist in every primary school? A practice? Ser- well, serving you know, the children.
9: Well, we need to do something different, whether whether it's, you know, a private dentists or, or public service dentists. But children aren't being seen. And, you know, the, the HSE and the Department of Health have been well aware of this problem for many years and they've done nothing about it. The only way this will actually improve is if the HSE and the Department of Health and the Minister's concerned decide it's a priority. There's there there is a big demand for dentists. We we need more dentists, but if you don't employ them in the in the HSE in the first place, then children won't be seen. And it's quite scandalous that in Cork, uh, children aren't being seen in primary school at all. I rang a few dentists locally before coming on, and they said yes, they're seeing evidence of it that children aren't being seen in the primary school by the sc- school screening service, um, and they're seeing we, we are now seeing the evidence of what happens when. You know, a dentist doesn't get a chance to meet a child early, to uh, to make them feel at ease, to explain what good oral health is like, to have a, a basic examination of the child, uh, and to you know to allow problems to be headed off and uh, and to to avoid big problems or little problems becoming big problems.
1: And and as John was suggesting, uh, problems that may need braces in later school years. Uh, that that that's a cost that doesn't seem to be being borne by the government, because of this lack of of attention in primary school, and that's when the attention's needed with the braces. You'll end up paying yourself well, six it, or seven grand in in secondary school.
9: Yeah, uh, that that is. I mean, people are well aware that's the most expensive treatment that's going to be required for a child. And you know, if a child is seen at an earlier stage, then a dentist can intervene. And they may not always be able to 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 prevent the need for orthodontic uh, or, or or jaw surgery. But uh, yes, when, when children aren't uh, given the, given the chance to meet the dentist, and in very many cases when they're not assessed, which then allows them to see an orthodontist, then you know they they have a, they have an expensive uh, choice when they get beyond sixteen. And you know it's either go to an orthodontist and pay uh, the full cost, or or you know, to live with whatever problems they have, and that's not good enough in this day and age yeah
1: what, what's the supply chain like as regards dental skills obviously we need more dentists now obviously you've got dentists retiring from practice uh it's a very high cao point entry level into into third level what's what's the supply chain looking like even if they were all to stay in ireland
9: yeah if it, so we have dental schools obviously in cork in dublin and in belfast and they don't supply enough graduates to, to keep up with demand to start with so we are reliant on dentists coming in from overseas and we're very grateful for that. But in Cork, for example, in the dental school, over half of the places are filled by students from far away from Canada, from the Far East. They are paying you know, around 50,000 a year in fees. The reason they're doing so uh, is because the dental schools aren't being properly funded. They have to set aside half of their places for students who will pay those types of fees to meet the running costs of the school. That means then if you're doing the Leaving Cert this year, your chances of getting to study and uh, uh, graduate as a dentist here in Ireland and hopefully to practice in Ireland are are reduced by 50% overnight. So we have said to Simon Harris that, you know, it's all very well talked about expanding dental schools and, you know, they they, they, they turned the sod on and do dental school in Cork in 2019 and nothing has been, it's still a green field. But the most significant uh, and uh, impactful change they could make would be to actually properly fund the existing school in Cork so that they don't have to have 50% of places set aside for students who will pay €50,000 a year in fees and then all, in all likelihood go back to Canada, go back to the Far East, um, which is from, you know, which is where they originate from. So there are well, things while, that While the educating
1: away. country is suffering from, from a lack of skill.
9: Absolutely. I mean, we, we haven't had this scale of a shortage of dentists in ireland at all before um you know we have a record number of dentists practicing here the population is on the increase the demand for dentistry is on the increase but you know it's 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 a it's a a very short-sighted cost saving to say to dental schools well you have to find more money and bring in students from overseas who will pay considerably more uh, because we're not going to fund you properly, and the and the end result is that we have fewer and fewer graduates coming out who are able or willing to practice in Ireland.
1: Yeah, is this an overlap responsibility for the, the Minister in charge of third level ed- education <laughs> and the Minister for Health? We have a budget coming up in a month's time with a, you know, with a pretty healthy surplus um, albeit not as much this August as it was last year. It's down by a billion uh, on projections but it also brings in the rainy day fund. Uh, in the good times in government you should be putting aside for the bad times so you can support the population. Uh, is is if, if the CEO of the Irish Dental Association can't get through to the relevant ministers, then where do we go from here?
9: Well, I, I think, you know, until listeners actually contact their TD and say, look, there's a consequence where Uh, You continue with the existing policy and where you don't actually take simple steps, say, to properly fund the dental school in Cork, to build a new dental school, to ensure that they don't have to set aside half of the places for students from overseas who aren't going to practice here in all likelihood, until it, it becomes an issue on the doorsteps for the politicians, then regrettably all the evidence shows that they're not going to do anything about it.
1: And to John Malloy with, uh, you know, his daughter in fifth class who hasn't seen a school dentist since she began school, his niece in sixth class who hasn't seen one either, uh, and his son in transition year who hasn't seen one either, what would you say? Save up, suck well, it up, uh, go to your local private dentist? Well,
9: I think no. Well, uh, I'm sorry him to cut across here,
8: but I, I just think a squeeze needs to be put on. Um, in terms of, like you mentioned, Dale um Population is on the rise, classrooms are getting bigger. It's only going to add to the existing problem. Um, I really think that someone from the Board of Education needs to sit down with a minister and someone from the HSE. They need to put a plan in place. And also, I think, which is hugely important in my eyes, is put a kind of an information pack together send it out to the schools, deliver it to the parents, tell them where we are and tell them what they're doing to try and resolve the issues because everybody seems to be in the dark about it. It's kind of Chinese whispers at the moment. Everyone is saying, oh, I haven't seen, did you hear about him? Did you hear about her? If everyone has it in black and white, documented from the relevant um, sites, people will know where they stand, and they'll understand it. They might reduce the frustration as far as But as things are at the moment, no one knows what's happening. So I just think they need to do something like that anyway
9: to start things at the moment.
1: I think you're pushing an open door, a door there, John, with with Fintan Harrigan. I think you'd agree, Fintan, would you?
9: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that the value of the school screening services it gets uh, it gets the dentists into the schools to meet the children, and I think there are parts of the country where. Uh, private dentists will sometimes go into dental schools and offer good oral health advice. But yes, absolutely. You know, dentistry is one of the areas where prevention is, is, is essential to good oral health. You know, all, a lot of the problems can be prevented in the first place. And obviously, if people have information on nutrition, on diet and uh, on good oral health practices, then hopefully that will help. Uh, prevent problems but you, w- you will need a dentist to, to be in the schools to see the children clearly people can go to see their private dentist as well but the value of the school screening services it's it's a service that's there for every child it's not down to whether you can afford to go to your private dentist or not
1: uh, you, you can imagine the growth in our population since 2006 to 2022 in that time the number of public only dentists in the hse has dropped You'd think it would increase with the population, but it's dropped by almost one quarter over the past fifteen years. There were three hundred and thirty of them. Now there's only two hundred and fifty-four of them.
9: Yes, and it's becoming harder and harder to uh, to replace those who retire or to recruit uh, dentists who, um, wh- where where permission is given to to bring them in. It's exactly as you said. Uh, the numbers have fallen by nearly a quarter when the population has risen by almost a quarter. Or so in many ways by stealth the HSC has let this service collapse and until such time as the hse actually says yes we realize a problem we need to hire more dentists and they they certainly have the funds to do it but until they actually decide it is a priority then i'm afraid nothing is going to change
1: okay uh philton i'm intrigued about the birds are you out for a walk do you, do you keep them or what
9: no, it's very sunny here in Dublin. I decided to come out here have a better signal here.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're on WhatsApp and the signal is brilliant. It's, it's so clear, actually, on WhatsApp that the, the birds are blasting through at the top end of the, uh, uh, of the spectrum. So it's brilliant. Uh, Fenton Harran, CEO of the Irish Dental Association, thank you very much for, for giving us your expertise. And John Malloy, thank you very well, much as a parent for, for highlighting what's bound to be a big issue and hopefully can be an issue on the doorsteps because this is not going to go away. Uh, the, the most dark piece uh, of information we gained from Fenton is, is that 50% of, of what could be uh, local practising Irish dentists uh, will not be, uh, because by necessity, financial necessity, the uh, universities have to sell those places to people travelling in from abroad. So it's a problem that's going to grow, I think, uh, but the real stark element is 5th class, 6th class, never seen a dentist, uh, son now in transition year in secondary school, Never seen a dentist. And they're blaming COVID. Uh, dentists heading overseas and not enough entering the profession. I'd be obliged if you keep in touch with us o- over the next year or six months or whatever, John, and see if anything has changed. See if you get those yes. appointments and
8: Yes, I saw will Nick, and thanks for taking the call and thanks to Vincent too, also.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. And I'm sure other thank parents are, are are now engaged and wondering. Uh, what can I do for my little Mary or my little Johnny to make sure that oral health is prioritised?
5: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 Red
1: FM. And just to give you all of the numbers, 0818 is our phone line, uh, but by text, SMS or WhatsApp, you can uh, get in touch with uh, 086 8104 106. 086 8104 106. On line three, it's Agnes. Good morning, Agnes. Warning, where are you? I'm good. Now you're you're saying we shouldn't be painting all HAP uh, users and availers of the HAP scheme with the same brush.
10: Yeah, I do. I agree with that. Hello. I kind of want to. I was just sitting down. I was listening to. The landlords given out. Uh, can
1: I, sorry, can I can I put my hands up here? Uh, I'm yeah. sl- I'm slightly to blame for that because it came into my head as many things do when you're doing a live interview. That I should say here, of course, there the vast majority uh, of of the people who avail of the HAP scheme are not thrashing places like this. They're actually yeah. very good. T- I just I just never said it. So my apologies if if uh, if I was uh, a contributor to your to your angst and your ire. Hands up.
10: Okay, that no worries. No, it's just like suppose when you turned around and you asked him, uh, maybe it's time to change into a different um, job section or whatever. Like you know, and uh, about doing away with people not not taking on tenants that um, are looking to do it with the half. And he kind of agreed. You know, it's it's very disappointing because even just being a half tenant in general is very hard to just get a property. Like the minute you tell a landlord that you're getting half, they don't want to even look at you.
1: Yeah. I, I understand yeah. that from from previous shows and previous interviews yeah. we've done that uh, even even with the HAP, there's a certain is stigma the wrong word attached. Certain landlords don't want anything to do with HAP; they'd rather well uh, pocketed professionals coming in paying high prices. Uh, but yeah. the, but yeah. the HAP scheme and people who avail of it is a very necessary element uh, of our accommodation system.
10: Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, like like I said, now I moved into my place about five years ago. When I moved in, there was nothing there. There was no furniture. Um, there was no floorboards. I put in new floorboards myself. I removed the carpet on the stairs because it was dirty and I got a new carpet in.
1: Well, but you, I, you're in on the HAP scheme,
10: yeah? I am, yeah. But, but, I don't that, know, but that, that, like
1: that property should have been vetted uh, f- that it was suitable for occupation. With no floorboards, it's not suitable.
10: Well, they were small words, but I mean they were very old and kind of cracked. Okay. So I, I like revent, like basically re, re- what's the word? I'm looking for, renovated the whole lot of it really myself. Um, I repainted the whole house. Um, got my own furniture in, and I made it. I made you, it. My you own made house. a home out of the house. Yeah, basically, yeah. Do you know? Um. So as I'm saying, like when I heard them giving out smart, and I was saying, you know, that's not fair because there's the likes of myself who will come in and take care of, take care of a house and make
1: it a home. Yeah, but can, can you blame him in one respect? And I'm not uh, castigating anyone who's on the HAP scheme. Uh, yeah. But twice on a sample of two, uh, within one year, they, there's been six grand worth of damage. They they resubmitted it, took a new tenant, uh, and then now they've had a nightmare. Wait, till you see the pictures on 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 Facebook and Twitter? Uh, now there's 10 grand worth of damage. Can you blame that private landlord for being very slow to go back into the, into the HAP scheme or even no. spending that 10 grand for fear it'll happen again?
10: Yeah, no, of course. I totally understand that. Yeah, I can imagine the distraught of, so I suppose, going through it once and then trusting someone to go in and then it end up happening again. I, I can just imagine how it feels like. I'd say it's very upsetting, obviously. That's a lot of money for anyone to be forking out, really, like, you know. Yeah. So,
4: yeah, so what, what, what what was your
1: journey to to accommodation? How, you applied for the HAP scheme. You you were saying, you, you were told yes, you're entitled to that. Was it easy to find a place then?
10: Um, I got I kind of got lucky at the start. Um, now the only thing is, I'm actually from around the city myself. But uh, at the start, when I first got on HAP, it would have been about six years ago, and. Um, my child was only about two or three at the time, and I couldn't find anywhere, like nowhere would take me on with that. But there was one place, but it, it was down in Cline, in County Cork, so I had to take that place because it was either there or emergency accommodation, which I didn't want to put my son into at the time. So I had to actually move down to Cline, and at the time... That was the only landlord that would take me on, was Down in Cline. Um, and the rent was 800 a month at the time. And my own child was going to school up in the city. So I had to travel up and down from Cline to the city every every morning with the child.
1: That's a nice distance and a nice expense.
10: It is, it was, it really was. But look, it, I had to do it because I wanted a roof over my child's head. And there was nowhere in the city that would take me on at all.
1: Well, fair play How um, much did the Hab contribute to that 800?
10: Um, I was paying with a twenty-four a week. That's the way it was. It was being done.
1: Okay, that's so, not a lot of money, and uh, you know you're going to have people say, yes. "Well, you can well afford your petrol, look up and down to Cork if you're only paying twenty-four a week."
10: Yeah, yeah, I know, but still, like to be honest with you, at the time I wasn't driving a diesel; I was a petrol. So up and down. It was up to the school, back down, then up again, back down. So that's four times up and down to cloyne every day it was.
1: Yeah, but if if you... Of course, you've got to drop and collect up and down, up and down. If if yeah. you hadn't taken that property, would you be dropped lower on a list of uh, entitled people then uh, where you wanted to have something in and around Cork City?
10: I probably would have been, yeah, to be honest, yeah.
1: Okay, and and what was the story from there? You kept applying while you were in cloyne
10: I did, I kept applying and applying. Um Now, I'm actually still on the HAP scheme, um, but I was lucky enough to find a house up in the city then. Uh, Obviously a bit more expensive, but I got the place then up in the city, and um, I'm here now, I'd say, maybe the last six years.
1: And you've renovated and you've looked after the place and you respect where you live?
10: 100%, yeah, 100%. Keep it clean, keep it tidy. As I said, put in loads of new stuff, floors, carpets, painted it all joy we do we take care of it like and yeah i just want to get my point across that like we're not all coming in trashed place just because it's not
1: of course and and is is that a private house owned by a private landlord or or is it council owned
10: a private
1: okay and does that landlord ever or does he he or she have the right uh, to call to you to inspect the property have you gotten to know them Do, do they trust you
10: uh, yeah 100% yeah we get on grounds they, they call every so often maybe if I need them for something like a job being done or whatever um, the house does be inspected by the, the city council every few months um, and if things need to be done then it obviously gets back to the landlord and
1: yeah because there's, there's obviously there's wear and tear and things, things break or whatever naturally oh, or, or yeah. or no. yeah. is the landlord for instance uh, obliged to supply you with a working washing machine or is that your responsibility
10: uh, well, in my own experience now, my own washing machine broke not so long ago. Um, I had gone to my landlord about it and he did replace it and get, got me a brand new one.
1: Okay, so it seems like a very good relationship and uh, if, you yeah. were, if you were ever to move on, of course, you'd probably get a glowing reference from that landlord.
10: I'd say so. Like, I, I got a really good reference as well from my, last, um, from my last landlord before I moved in here as well, you know. So, um, that definitely touched me as well, like I'd say, definitely, but I'm kind of hearing out the last six years and I'm just kind of waiting really to be offered my, I suppose, my long-term home really from the council, you know.
1: Which will be what or where do you know?
10: I don't know where, to be honest with you. Um I'm hoping that it'll be around the south side anyway, maybe somewhere where my child can go outside and play, you know, like where we're living at the moment. It's kind of on, like it's in a gated area, there's no grass. Um, my child is nine going on ten he's no friends in this area Do you know it's just not suitable for him anymore i've no back i've no back garden or anything so like if my child wants to go and play i have to um either bring him up to his friends out and up in talk or after school or i have to drop him out and bring him out to a field myself and kick around a ball with him or whatever you know because where we are at the moment like my child can't go outside and play with his friends like every other child can, yeah, you know.
1: You're, you're talking about my child as if there, there are no siblings, no brothers or sisters, just one child, is it?
10: Just the one child, yeah,
1: okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, and are you a single mom or are you living with a partner? Or?
10: No, I'm a single mom. It's just myself and my son.
1: Okay. Uh, and what yeah. priority do you think will be given to a single mom with one child um, versus maybe a single mom with two or three children when it comes to getting that forever home?
10: Uh, well, obviously, they're going to take, I suppose, more kids into consideration there. You know, Um the only thing now, I suppose, like the fact that my own son does suffer with asthma, you know, uh, very badly, especially in the winter months. Um, and the house I'm in at the moment does, suffer, it does have a lot of mould in it, you know, especially in the winter. There was drafts coming in the windows. That's why then the landlord had to go away and replace the windows because the council had to get on them through the... Um, through the inspection they were after seeing themselves that the windows weren't closing in there was drafts getting in at night there's mould all over the top of the walls you know and my child is getting very sick from that in his chest like I even got letters from the doctors stating this you know that it's not doing any good for me or my child because in the winter we're waking up dying sick and the mould on the walls isn't helping it like you know
1: okay can I give you one other little tip when it comes to asthmatic children Uh, yeah the, the more you hoover the house uh, the more dust mites you're putting into the air, because a Hoover has, uh, it has a number of elements. So obviously the suction created by a motor, it's got a bag to catch the uh, to catch the dirt. What what yeah. hap- what happens to the bag if it was a balloon, it would explode, right? Okay. It's not a balloon. It's 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 a porous entity, and out out of the exhaust comes all of the dust mites and skin spores and everything that will really affect asthmatic. I'm not I'm not advocating that you have a dirty house.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. But
1: but hoovering a bit less might might help. Um, I'd help the lungs in an asthmatic child um, so are you putting pressure on the local authorities as best you can is an element of that needed before they'll eventually capitulate and, and, and give you the house you want or how does it work
10: uh, well I suppose you kind of have to fight for your place really like you know um, I do be to them and I do hope that maybe one day that they will finally call me you know I go on every week and I I bid online every week, like, you know, for properties that are put up that I might be entitled to. Obviously, because it's just myself and my son, I'm only entitled to a two-bedroom house. Um, so, I suppose...
1: And is owning your own place, however small, out of the picture completely?
10: How do you mean, sorry?
1: Would, you know, would you ever aspire to owning your own place, to, to having enough, for? Is, is that not an option for you? Do you think you'll ever get on the property ladder privately?
10: Um, I'm. I i don't know, like at the moment, probably not, you know, like I don't work at the moment because I can't, because my child's in school, I have no one to pick him up, to collect him, to drop him to school, I have to do it all myself, so because he's so young at the moment, it's just hard, you know, mm-hmm. you know, so unfortunately I'm kind of stuck in a rock in a hard place, I'll have to wait till he gets a bit older and maybe then I can work and whatever, but for now I'm just hoping that I do, like, you know, maybe get a, a good phone call someday so I can get off forever home and my child can go outside his door and have friends outside his door and play like a normal child and I'd be able to see him happy then, like, you know, because my, my son is big time into sports. He's always played football, hurling, you know, he joins clubs and stuff so that he can um make friends and be out, like, more, you know, because once he comes home, it's like being in a jail. There's no, He can't go outside, there's nothing out there, mm. you know.
1: Well, my apologies if if I uh, raised your ire this morning by not asking and not, and not uh, making that statement. Of course, we're not trying to paint every uh, facilitator or, or every user of the HAP scheme under uh, yeah. the same brush. This is obviously a very isolated incident. But wait, yeah, wait yeah. till you see the pictures. How anybody could have lived in the squalor is beyond me.
10: Yeah, I can imagine. I, yeah, i would I've been looking forward to seeing them. No worries.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank, thanks. All right,
10: thanks for the phone call.
1: Thanks a million, Agnes. Thank you very much. Thank you. And, Bye-bye. Uh, thanks. Cheers. That's uh, Agnes, who's availing of the HAP scheme, saying uh, she was very angry this morning listening to that landlord. Actually, it wasn't the landlord. It was an agent for the... Uh, it was a letting agent uh, and uh, didn't agree, obviously, with people having no respect for landlords' homes. Uh, but now nah, we shouldn't be painting all availing of HAP with the same brush. Our phone number is 0818104106. If you want to get in touch by text or WhatsApp, it's 0868104106. Now, The Neil
5: Prenderville Show, Red
1: FM. Um, we've got a mountain of texts and uh, a couple of emails to get through uh, before we go back to our phone lines. On the Fountainstown tragedy, swimming lessons should be made compulsory in schools and kids should get a refresher course uh, every year. And in brackets here, they teach them enough about sex, why not teach them about swimming? Swimming should be prioritised to give kids the confidence to be safe in in uh, the water and uh, for god's sakes there's another texter stop talking uh and putting that poor family through more. it's not fodder for discussion on radio stop just stop uh on the speed limits Heimick, in a knee-jerk response to the recent spate of tragic road traffic fatalities uh, our government has announced plans to radically reduce the speed limits on most of our country's roads if the argument is that these and other deaths are caused by drivers illegally breaking the existing speed limits. How does altering these speed limits address the problem? If a person was driving as fast as they could with a 100 kilometer per hour limit and they crashed and died, they would still have been driving as fast as they could uh, had the limit been 80 kilometers per hour. Uh, and they would have still crashed and they would have still died. This approach will serve only to punish those who already abide by these ex- existing laws and Of course, cynically, with a revenue-generating exercise for the state. A better approach would be to teach kids how to drive properly in transition year and for leaving cert applied. It lacks the immediacy most politicians crave, but it would address the long uh, the issues long term and permanently. On a side note, it's interesting to see how quick the government is to make changes to our road traffic laws following these road traffic tragedies, but our immigration laws seem to be untouchable uh, even in the face of countless offences, tragedies and atrocities directly connected to our immigration policies and procedures. Uh, so says uh, Richie and Toker. Uh, that speed limit story has to be an April Fool's joke, right? Uh, no, it isn't. With all the other recent fatalities, says another texture, the government sees an opportunity to fill their coffers with more fines. Classy lads, classy. Fix the feckin' roads. That will reduce debts, says Pat. Now, on our article of the €10,000 uh, apartment damage, does the dog warden not ask if they have a dog licence, then fine them for not having a licence? Uh, not sure how that is applying to the conversation, but anyway. Um, those people should be banned from asking for HAP again, or any access to any other council, house, or support. If they act like animals, they should live like animals. This is absolutely disgusting. Once again, I refer you to our Twitter feed and uh, our Facebook social media, where you'll see those pictures that are just so hard to describe how anyone could live in in those conditions, or put uh, where they were living into that condition in the first place. Considering the demographic of your listenership, it's an absolute farce to have a multiple property landlord on the show giving the poor mouth. This is his problem alone and par for the course for landlords. He was an agent representing many landlords uh, in Cork and Cove and Sligo and Mayo, possibly Dublin as well. it wasn't a landlord himself. Hi Mick, I had exactly the same thing with council tenants in the UK. They're supposed to give the house back in the way they got it, but that doesn't happen. The place was worse than that man's place in Cork. They took all the doors, the electric shower, they took all the white goods. I could do nothing about it. I wouldn't go near the council again uh, in the UK. But you could be lucky with tenants or very lucky. But a big no-no uh, to the council. It is very tough being a landlord. There are such filthy people out there, says Marie from Clon. It's a scandal. They should be put on a list so they will never get a property again. Another texture says start inspecting your property even once a year. I got the impression in this situation that the uh, it being a council hap uh, that the private landlord could not inspect. I'm open to correction on that one. Uh, I guarantee nothing will be said or done. They'll receive another lovely house again. Heard of this happening several times. That's a disgrace, says another texter. How in the name of God could you live in these conditions? It's just disgusting. They should be put on a list to never get a house uh, again. And a few more. Uh, Ultimately, uh, it's the landlord's responsibility to regularly check and maintain their properties. This didn't happen overnight. Uh, The landlord, i.e. the City Council in this case, been doing regular checks. This tenant would have been evicted and should be struck off the housing list. There are far more deserving people long waiting for properties. What about the landlords who uh, come to inspect the place but then do nothing to fix the issues raised? We have a six-month inspection where we have shown landlords numerous things to be fixed in our apartment. Okay, so uh, before we get into them, landlords who come to inspect the place and then do nothing to fix the issues raised. Here is a list of some examples given uh, to one such landlord. The couch has been broken since we moved in, yet it wasn't fixed. That's one and a half years we're waiting for that. There's mould all over the apartment due to flooding on the floor below us, uh, which made the entire building damp and mouldy. There's been no resolution, and I myself have asthma, that's uh, being affected by this mould. We highlighted this to the inspector during our last six-month inspection, was told it will be fixed. Five months later, uh, not yet fixed or any resolution offered. The lock on one of the doors, currently broken as a safety concern. It's been broken for over a year. It's not yet fixed. We maintain the apartment very well. This has always been commented on by the inspectors. Issues need to be fixed that have uh, not been caused by us, but yet our concerns uh, go unanswered, even though we're maintaining the property very well. There needs to be some kind of legislation brought in where both landlord and renters are treated fairly and equally uh, and uphold their duties. Landlords get away with far too much, as they know people need a roof over their head, and the demand is too high. Uh, we also spoke about dentists for kids, and uh, my twins are in first year and have been seen by the school dentist at the end of August, in first year. Uh, that's in the Formoy area. I wonder where they have seen during their primary school years, though. The school dentist problem has been going on for years, way before COVID. My sons aged uh, 16 and 18 now. When they were in primary school, I contacted a local TD about this problem with the school dentist in West Cork. I got a few letters back, uh, but no consultation. Nothing was done. Just to finish up on the uh, dentistry thing, I pay €25 Euros each for my six-year-old and three-year-old to see the dentist every six months. Uh, I know the school dentist is a fake service. It doesn't exist until at least teenage years. I'll pay €80 Euros per molar for Fisher seals when the, when the time comes. I am not rich, but for me, it's a non-negotiable outcome. That we just have to budget for dental hygiene and gut health are the basis for overall good health and longevity. It was 2008 when I got my HSE braces. I was in my first year of college. I'd been on the uh, waiting list since the late nineties. Uh, and that was 15 years ago. And the problem's worse now. Uh, and finally, on the dentistry, make it as our responsibility as a parent to ensure our children's teeth are checked. More dentists charge 25 euro per checkup. Yes, Fisher Seals and fillings cost extra. But it's our responsibility to look after our children's teeth. Children's teeth should be checked every 12 months, not left for two checks across the whole time in primary school. Braces are only granted through the system if the bite is really bad. My daughters have braces. We went and got them privately at a cost of €4,000 each, Uh, but set up a standing order and we pay weekly. It works out at €30 per week. Uh, and it's working for us. And one final text uh, on drugs. There seems to be a shortage of aspirin in the chemists around the country. So now when you go in for your prescription, they are giving people a new brand of uh, aspirin, which has titanium dioxide in it. As far as I know, titanium dioxide is banned in Europe. So why is our health service giving it to us? Uh, And we've checked on that, and thanks to the guys uh, for doing so, titanium dioxide is still permitted as an excipient in medicinal products in the EU despite being banned, and it is banned, in food products. Sixteen and a half minutes after 11 now. We're back with more and talking to some hens in a moment. Call the Neil Prenderville
5: Show now. 0818 104
1: 106. Red FM. Nineteen minutes past 11. Morning to you from the Neil Prenderville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. And good morning on line two to Orla. Hi, Orla.
11: Hi, Mick. How are
1: you? I'm good. The lads tell me you're a good crack, yeah? <laughs> oh, <don't like> <laughs> we need to lighten up in the mornings. You got engaged at Garth Brooks? Which concert? As uh,
11: is in Dublin.
1: I know, but uh, which September? Which, which one of them? the ninth? I think I was there. Was that the a night. Saturday was night? I saw yeah. Was that a Saturday <laughs> night? You saw me, did you? It was a Saturday night.
11: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I I wouldn't normally go to Croke Park for any event. Uh, But I got a lovely present from my kids uh, for my birthday of the Garth Brooks tickets and uh, up we went. It was great. You
11: know, I wasn't... Well, I suppose I would have been a fan years and years and years ago, but it wouldn't have been on my to-do list. But um, I was convinced, but I didn't know what was ahead of me.
1: Yeah, I went went to you two there before. We were sitting up in one of the stands and and the overhang of the stand was like an echo chamber of a bass box. Uh, You just couldn't enjoy the the concert. But Garth Brooks, did you see the the array of sound um, and, and speakers? Uh, well,
11: that, I was at the top point of it. Yeah, but uh, very, uh, very, very back. leg. Like, they put enormous
1: expense in, in, into putting speakers all the way around the stadium. It was a yeah, b- beautifully really crisp sound. It was a
11: brilliant concert. What, 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 what a performer!
1: Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the yeah. good news is <laughs> you got engaged at Garth Brooks. Yeah, and still engaged. To which song?
11: <laughs> if Tomorrow Never Comes.
1: It's, oh, it's a great song. Yeah.
11: Uh, okay.
1: Yeah. Now, you're getting married next year, and this is all in response to a social media piece that we put up about hen parties. Yes. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that hen parties are now approaching uh, the similar cost levels of attending the wedding. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, coming down to some of the reasoning behind that, a lot of pe- a lot of places don't take one-night bookings, you've got to go for One two day. nights. Yeah. But yeah. a lot of people people feel entrapped when they budget 100 quid or something for entertainment and yeah. drinks and food or something and then the head bridesmaid or whatever says, no, we're doing this tomorrow and you're all dressing up like this and, and sure. th- there's all this hidden expense. Let's get into it. You got engaged to Paul Maloney at Garth Brooks and uh, best of luck to both of you. Getting married you. next year, are you going to have a hen party?
11: I'm having a hen party, apparently anyway. <laughs> <Okay>. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's my bridesmaids are sorting it all out. So, like, I don't actually know the cost. Like, I know that uh, what that group has been created. And anyone that I wanted to ask, I've been given their phone numbers. So, it's all out of my hands. But I would be shocked if, if I was told that people were paying 500 quid. You know, it's, it's extortionate. But I do understand, like, the bridesmaids themselves are under severe pressure. Like, it's not an easy job to organise something like that. Whose and, responsibility and, is, is it? So it's Sandra Murphy. She's down there in the house of hair, probably listening to me now. <laughs> but um, yeah, so she's there like herself now and my maid of honour, Michelle, they're organising it. But I think half the problem is that most places don't take accommodation for one night. It's two. And I see that myself. If I was booking on a weekend, you'd see if you locked in for, we'd say, Friday night, it would say no availability. But if you put in Friday, Saturday night, then there is availability yeah. suddenly, you know? Um, so I think that's half the problem. Um, and then I suppose the activities, I don't know what they're doing for me. God only knows I dread it in one way I'm excited about it in another. But I, I'd hate to feel that people are under pressure. I, like, obviously everyone I'm inviting to my hen, I would really love to go there. You know, it's not awful people get out now. And it's nice to have a night out with the girls. But if I would feel that, like, that girl was saying that it's one of her good friends who's been very good to her. And I just feel that if one of my friends was under financial pressure and couldn't make my hen, I'd love her to come to me and just say, look, you know, I can't afford this and the wedding a couple of months after that and I really want to go to the wedding. You know, can we just do dinner or a takeaway and a bottle of Prosecco or something another night? And I'd have absolutely no problem with that, you know. I don't want people to be under... Things are hard enough now for everybody, you know.
1: Yeah, you can have have the hen and the mother hen.
11: You can, exactly, you know? You can. It, you know, it, it, it would make sense to go to your own
1: local for a, for a few drinks with people exactly, who want to attend but that,
11: that. But that's, that's what does happen, you know? You end up having more than one hen party in it, you know, yeah. Any you to go out. So I just... And do you know, if, you, if somebody... If one of my friends now couldn't make it and they said, look, you know, the following Saturday um, night we can go for dinner, you know, local, so then there's no cost for accommodation or whatever, I'll treat you to a meal and we'll have a couple of cocktails, you know... That's something else to look forward to then as well, you've another night
1: out. And if you someone know, doesn't I mean, have the yeah. wherewithal, if, if they don't, if they can't, you know, if they're attending the wedding, the yeah. the, the, the present That's is now fun. running at about two fifty or three hundred, isn't it? Oh, three hundred, yeah. oh, three hundred for a couple. Uh, then you've yeah. got the accommodation and the, and the travel there and the dressing up and the drinks and, and you, you can be looking at anything up to eight hundred to a thousand euros now to to yeah. attend a wedding for a couple. If somebody can put four or five hundred quid in into a into a hen party attendance then having a few drinks in the local would give them a valid excuse to say, Absolutely. oh, it's a shame I can't make it next week, so I had had to come down tonight and, and have a few with with my friend, you know?
11: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I would just personally, I'd hate if I thought somebody was under pressure to attend my hen party and couldn't afford it. You know, and I'd hate that to feel that they were putting themselves under pressure to do that. So I prefer, like if I had money, you know, if, if you had your wish it would be like, I'd have my 20 girls and I will be the one that will be treating them to a spa day or something like that do you know what I mean But that's not the way it works (laughs) do you know but uh, no I I think if that girl like if she just speaks to her friends they know they're, they're good friends She's going
1: to understand. And if she doesn't understand, then she's not really a friend, you know? Yeah, l- l- let, me, let me just read her, uh, her email to us. My best friend's having her hen in a few weeks. I desperately want to go, but financial pressures are telling me otherwise. While she's not jetting off to Ibiza or anything, the night is going to cost in excess of €500 euro when you factor in accommodation, travel, food cost, and activities. Basically like a second wedding. Now, I don't want to let her down. We've been through a lot together. Uh, she's always been there for me and picked me up when I was down. Have you any advice? What would you do? Have you been uh, in a similar I, position? I totally, we got a huge response totally on social speak, media
11: to it. Yeah. I totally speak to her. Like, I can tell you, for example, like, just coming up there now, um, on my Facebook page, I thought it was hilarious because I had just read um, what that girl had written. and it's heartbreaking, to you know, that she's in that position. But, um, like, our, my hand party is in early February next year. I'm not supposed to know that, but someone let that part leak. But, um, like, we're going away for two nights, and I know some people can only go for one night, and that's perfectly fine as well. But um, on this um, travel page, and it's a company I have used before, you can get four nights in New York flights from Shannon um, in a four-star hotel in New York City with flights and accommodation for four nights for 595-year-olds. But we're just being ripped off here, you see. The prices of hotels are astronomical. It probably is cheaper to fly everyone out to Malaga and rent an apartment than it is to actually have something in Ireland.
1: OK, what what kind of hen are you hoping for? A kind of girly or wild or nightclub? Uh, no, or?
11: I'm not wild. I'm gone beyond that and I Wimbledon. i the <laughs> older side. <laughs> I'm an older bride. Well,
1: I, um, I imagine with the benefit of time that your you're maid of honour, whoever's organising... Probably yeah. has a manage going, probably has a weekly subscription going into a fund uh, yeah, to, to that, make it that, easier. Yeah,
11: that, that is a good idea. That is a good idea. And I think they did, they did speak about that all right. And um, just that, you know, that they can do revolute, like someone can pay 20 quid a week or whatever it is, you know. And that's all, that would help. I could see if I was going to hand party and that option was there,
1: something I would do. Is but, Paul, Paul um, having a stag party? He is, yeah. What's that going to be, beer that's and football? That's, that's,
11: uh, not football anyway well he would love to go to Manchester United Matt, but I suppose they wouldn't be all Manchester United supporters so there could be trouble there Yeah. but I think um, I think they're just going down to Kerry uh, for one night and then they're coming back local for the second night and like that now some people won't go to Kerry but they'll be there for the second night so and that's good enough isn't it it is but you see some places don't I don't even know where I'm going on my hands party, but Um, some places will take one-night accommodation, other places won't. And you think, like, he's having his stag in January, I'm having my hen in February. You think, like, they'd be glad of the one-night accommodation. If it was June, July season, you'd say, okay, you know, but, like, this isn't the height of the season. Um, But it's just shocking that you can actually fly out to New York for four nights uh, with accommodation and flights for 595 euros. That's unreal.
1: Let's let's hope you're going there. Would would you ever have a STEM party, a stag and hen together? Jeez, I don't
11: know <laughs> that would yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well I would but no I'd still like no I'm only going to do this once so I'd, I'd like to have my night with the girls and let him have his night with the lads but you probably end up having one of those anyway in your local you know
1: yeah
11: you know, uh, so, absolutely like, I think once there's like I'm, I'm not fussy once there's a few cocktails and you know dinner and a few cocktails that, that's all I'd ask I'd actually just be happy with that but she's listening now, I know, and she's saying... "Mm." She's all her ideas. I don't know what's ahead
1: of me. So do you think down the line, if you and Paul Maloney uh, ever meet an ex of his, that he'll say the immortal lines, and as she walked away... I looked at my wife and then and there I thanked the good Lord for the gifts in my life. Oh,
11: definitely. Oh,
1: definitely. Definitely. <laughs> good old yeah. Garth Brooks. Thanks, Orla. They
11: say you have to get it wrong a good few times, you know, before <laughs> you get, to get it right.
1: <laughs> we, like we, we wish you all hand. the very best and best luck with the with the hen Hi, and, and to Paul well. with the stag. Thanks a million. We've got Sarah on the next line. Hi, Sarah.
12: Hi, how are you?
1: Good. You've been in a position where you couldn't afford to go to a friend's hen. Yeah,
12: yeah, absolutely. So what did you do? Um, she was having a bit of a local hen as well, and then going away for, I can't remember if it was a night or two further down the country. And so I just said, Look, I can do the, the local hen. I'll come out and meet you, and I don't know, I think it was a meal, and we went for drinks afterwards. But I just couldn't afford to do the night away because obviously in the run up to. The wedding, you're having to think about what and how much you're going to have to put into a card the whole day out itself for drinks and new outfit and then for women, I suppose, it's hair and make-up. So it was just all too much. So I just explained to her, look, I can't do the, the night away, but I'll be glad to do the local one. Yeah, are, there are, are, the there, local are there
1: little then, presents expected at hen parties?
12: I think everybody's probably expected to pitch in a certain amount. Now, that's usually down to maybe the maid of honours organise all of that anyway. And if there was help needed to pitch in, then it would be put out there. And you probably want to give people a bit of notice. But it just depends on the hen night and who organise and what they kind of plan, I suppose. But in this case, this poor girl that she can't afford, it. she feels bad that she can't afford to do it. I would genuinely you you just sit down with her and explain and say, do you know what? If you're doing something locally, we'll get together for a few drinks. Or, if not, you know, you and I will go, go for dinner and go out for a few drinks, the two of us. Mm. You know, I, t- I think she'd understand She's yeah. a close friend, she should.
1: Apparently a third of women have admitted to telling a little white lie to avoid going to a hen party because they simply can't afford it. A uh, significant yeah. 70% said they found attending a hen party expensive. 57% yeah. uh, spending more than €200 Euros on a hen party.
12: Oh yeah, and I mean, you'd be lucky if you got away with that, and especially if you had to go away for somewhere for a night. the lady that was just on said, you know, what the price of a hotel room in Ireland for a night or two nights, but you know, a lot of people do the two nights then, especially if they're travelling, they'll think might as well stay away for two nights. But, like it's awfully expensive. Mm. I,
1: I suppose the essence of a hen is is your last night of freedom, for you know, yeah. for the female and the stag, and, and the stag likewise uh, for yeah. the male. Would it be too difficult to have that as the actual last night? Everybody go to the hotel for the wedding. and or would people not recover and be good enough for the wedding day if they had the hen and the stag
12: the night before the wedding? I don't think, so, no. You have to think of no. Um, as they say, you have to allow a few weeks for breakage time if anybody's getting messy and there's a fall. They say their hens and stags should allow enough time that if they have a break of any kind.
1: I never um, heard that. You're going to need at least yeah. three months if somebody breaks something.
12: Yeah, it depends on the break, but they say at least maybe six to eight weeks.
1: Breakage time. Yeah, yeah. Well, six <laughs> weeks in a cast minimum, and, and then you've got the physio after yeah. that. Believe me, I know. Yeah. So, is, is it difficult then as a bridesmaid because you're expected to attend everything? And if you're asked to be a, uh, it's an American that's concept, it. where did this come from? Maid of honor. Yeah.
12: I know. But, you know, that's it. You're very much under obligation with um if you're a bridesmaid. And it's a very difficult position for people to be in because at the end of the day, no matter how many people are involved in it, not everybody's gone, got the same income. Everybody's got a lot of outgoings that they have to pay for. Like everybody is probably in a different position financially and some people just would not be able to manage it where others might be able to.
1: And may- maybe, the mo- maybe the most you. sensible thing for a, for an organiser is to say, right, we're having three parts and uh, the bridesmaid yeah. and, and, uh, and the bride-to-be will attend all three, but one's going to be a brunch, one is going to be a few drinks and a sing-song at the local. There's a nice band yeah. playing that night. One cost us a penny uh, just for the yeah. drinks. And the other is a, a night or two away. Uh, and you, you these, these these, are the costs. There's no cost to attend. Pay for your brunch on the day. There's no cost yeah. to attend the bar. Pay for your drinks on the night. Uh, yeah. And if, if you want to come away for the big one, then uh, join this WhatsApp group and pay this much in by the week. I'll manage yeah. it. I'll you know I'll, I'll keep a tally of everything that's paid. Yeah, and when it, when it turns up, you, you just need your living expenses to attend.
12: Yeah. And just plenty of notice as well, you know, so that people can really make an informed decision about whether or not they think they can manage. And it's much easier to try and do it weekly than, you know, a big lump sum then at, in one weekend.
1: Mm. Uh, can I ask you, because fellas often wonder, right, I've been at a few stag parties and they're pretty nondescript affairs. It's 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 yeah. normally a pub crawl and, you know, a bit of grub or a steak or a Chinese or something. Yeah. And, and uh, can I ask you, have you been in any wild hen parties? What are they like? Women are legendary when
12: they go partying together, you know. Like I've had some great hens where we've met in the hotel room where the bride has been staying first and had like games and drinks there and then just gone on for a meal and a few drinks. But I don't think it's ever usually as crazy as some people try to imagine that it would be, you know. I think it's just like a bunch. It's really just the girls getting together and having a good time.
1: Okay. Thanks a million for that, Sarah. Thank you very much. No problem. Okay, we're going to bring on the local expert now, and I mean expert because that's his stock and trade, Mark Wilson of Hen and Stag Cork. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mick. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, Welcome, and you're at corkhenparty.ie. You organize organize both hens and stags, but it's usually hens. Usually hens, yeah. Well, Why is is that? Because they take a little
7: more... I think girls Detail? are just more, yeah, they're more adventurous for activities. The guys just want to drink, or they maybe want to go on something like paintballing, maybe go-karting, um, as you say, maybe go for a steak. But it seems a lot more limited with the guys.
1: Okay, but, but, but the ladies want to be a little more inventive and have, have things like, I know you do murder mystery tours and that kind of thing.
7: Yeah, our most popular activity is the groom rescue, in which the groom has been kidnapped, and the girls must go around the town and find the kidnapper and rescue the groom.
1: So, okay, walk us through that. How would that work? Okay, so the girls settle in a venue,
7: and I was listening to the girls there, we can do this anywhere, we can come to you. So there's no problem where it's a place where you can't get accommodation. So we come to you, the girls will settle in a venue, and there's been many varied venues. We'll say it's a bar. Once they've all got their drinks, the maid of honour or the lead girl will text the actor, and he will burst in in a uniform or a suit, and he is a detective, and he will do a bit of improv comedy and tell the girls that the groom has been kidnapped. We have a video of the groom being abducted, which we show the girls. And the whole thing is very terrible, tongue-in-cheek, until the groom can be rescued and the wedding can be saved.
1: OK, so, so all, girl, all of the hens are now invested in saving the, the groom so that the wedding can go ahead.
7: Absolutely. Sometimes the, the hen herself doesn't know this is going to happen. Sometimes she does, or she's, she just knows there's an activity. But it's explained clearly to them what's going on and what they have to do, and lots of improv comedy.
1: OK, and, and you'll take them around various venues then, all by pre-arrangement, I suppose. I'm coming in with a hen party at half past ten. They're going to be looking for clues around your premises. Uh, but, you. but, but they will buy a round of drinks. Exactly,
7: yeah, pre-arranged and also adapted to the circumstances. I mean, we've done this in bars, hotels. I've done this on a boat. I've done it in Shirken Island, uh, Cork City Jail.
1: And, and, and knowing ladies as I do when they get together, there's going to be a certain element of strong competition here, is there?
7: Oh, they do get very competitive. There is a bot in the bubbly for the winning team. So, yes, it does get competitive.
1: Oh, so it's team based, is it? So you'll you gather three or four yeah. ladies together and.
7: Uh, yeah, if we, if we have 20, we'll di- divide them up into four teams, and they must name their team, and they get a folder each with everything that they need to gather up, and they work together as a team. And then we assemble about 90 minutes. The whole thing takes two hours, and about 90 minutes later, we assemble back at the original venue. The inspector will come back and mark up the team's efforts, more improv comedy, and the winning team gets the bottle of bubbly.
1: Okay, now let's look at destinations for hen parties. Kinsale used to be a very, very popular local destination, even for hens coming from Cork City or its environs. Not so much anymore. Why is that?
7: Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, we still do get some in Kinsale, but I have had girls shift to other towns. We don't have a nightclub now in Kinsale. At one time we had three nightclubs, and there's no nightclub in Kinsale at the moment. And if these girls are in their 20s, they don't want to be going home at half 12 on a Saturday night.
1: So they're looking for a club to, atti- to attend. Yep,
7: yeah, a club or a late bar, you know, something to go on just a little bit later than 12.30 on a Saturday night.
1: Okay, and so that will take you to where? And, and I'm just posing the question. Uh, where around Cork now are there nightclubs? Is there a nightclub in Middleton? I don't know. Is there a nightclub uh, in Fromoy? I don't know. Is there one in Mitchellstown? I don't know. Uh, perhaps people can, can let it, leave us know if, that, if that's the case. But you're going to find yeah. yourself so in places like Kilkenny or Galway.
7: Yeah, and even some of the small towns have a late bar. And a late bar is all we need. That's all they need. I mean, you remember, Mick, the lads used to say, you're going dancing tonight when the nightclubs are open. They weren't going dancing at all. They just wanted extra points.
1: Yeah, and and the new legislation, Mark, that's supposed to be coming in, are you hoping that will allow somebody to open up a late bar or even a club again in Kinsale?
7: Yeah, I think so. I'm on the publican side, you know. They've been beleaguered lately, you know, and everything's been against them. They've been really struggling. The Irish pub is the envy of the world. And back home here, we're letting them die.
1: Mm. Uh, and, and that's right across the country of course so if, if you do get uh, a hen or I suppose you do stag parties as well uh, but yep. your activities your two hour treasure hunt, murder mystery and a groom rescue uh, works out at 25 years ahead which isn't too bad
7: Yes, and there was two things there. I mean, some of the hen parties want to go outside of their own town and maybe for the adventure Roach's Point rules because, as you said last night of freedom, nothing we do on our activity would embarrass anyone. So you can have it in your hometown. And the, the distance to the wedding for the breakage, all you're going to break on our, our activities is break your heart laughing.
1: Okay. <laughs> or break a glass here and there. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, you, you're busy going forward. What's your geographic uh, intentions now? Where, where are you heading for next over the next month or so?
7: Well, we started as core, Ken Party, so we were local, but now we're countrywide. So my next gig is next weekend in Galway, but we've been to Dingle and Carlingford. Is there a nightclub in Dingle now? There is a late bar, and is there two? There's definitely one, if not two late bars in Dingle. And that's the way forward, the late bar, because it's more affordable for the venue.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, Dingle is buzzing, and and I, I think people pick a buzzing town, if, yes. if if they're going to go on a hen party, because it's that end of night activity, really, that, that sets it apart and, gi- and gives you the memories. So uh, you're available on corkhenparty.ie. You can organise hen and stag events. Well, what would be a normal procedure for a stag? As you said, it's going to be paintballing or some sort of activity. Maybe a steak, pints, football match or whatever. Or, or what's the story?
7: Yeah, I mean, as we're getting more now guys booking us on the same-sex marriages. Okay, So that still is a groom rescue, because we've got a groom to rescue. But a a couple of years ago, when I was working for a different agency, it wasn't my company, they sent me up to a groom rescue up in Limerick, and there was no groom. It was two girls getting married. So what did you do? I rang the agency. He said, I don't know what to do. He said, we've never done it before. So I had to cut the heads off the folders that said groom rescue with a scissors, and then we did a bride rescue.
1: (laughs) You're very inventive, if nothing else. Uh, Well done (laughs) to you, Mark. Uh, Hen-, Hen and Stag Specialist in Cork, and you can uh, find Mark at con- Cork, ie. Thanks a million, Mark. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Here's bye 19 minutes to midday now. The
5: Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106.
1: Coming up on a quarter to 12 on this uh, Wednesday morning, September 6th. I'm always amazed how uh, little innocuous posts up on, uh, on Facebook or Twitter, or whatever, uh, generate all sorts of reactions. A simple question like, are hen parties too expensive? Uh, Craig, you reckon they can be done on the cheap? Hi, Vic. How are you? I'm good. What did you guys do?
0: So we went to... uh, So we got picked up on a booze bus at 9 o'clock in the morning.
1: What's a booze bus? I I ask stupidly.
0: So you get a bus with a bunch of lads and you have cans on the bus. Okay. Big bag of cans, bus. (laughs) A big bag of cans. That's the way it goes. We went down to foot golf in Kinsale, which I would recommend to anybody to go down there because it's great crack. Um, If you haven't done foot golf, it's fairly basic. You have a football instead of a golf ball. You kick it around
3: the 18 holes. Um, Okay. And bring the cans around with you, as you do.
1: (laughs) And then then Uh, the stag party went into Kinsale on the bus.
3: Yeah, and then we
0: got brought into Kinsale. We were staying in the Atkins Hotel. Um, Went down, had food and all that. That was all provided and stayed down there for the night and it cost us €136 Euro each for okay, so 35
1: that, lads. So that was prepaid and because you had slightly large numbers you you got everything for 136 each. That's including your transport, including the foot golf and including the overnight. So you're so you're, they'll, you're, they'll, you're they'll, obviously yeah. room sharing and you're getting a meal there as well. Oh yeah, there three
3: of us and breakfast was there as well the next morning.
1: That's amazing value.
3: So
0: it can be done on cheap. Yes, I know some people do like to go a bit more extravagant, but it can be done on the cheap.
1: Okay, and and that is cheap. Now, it obviously doesn't include your socialising ar- around Kinsale. Oh, of course. Which, which pa- is a great course time course to socialise around pint. some brilliant bars there.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's some brilliant bars down Kinsale. And
3: yes, of course, you're going to pay more money because you're paying for your points and all that, but in regards to the actual... Cost of actually doing it it doesn't have to be
0: upwards of five hundred euro. This They're is really for good.
1: your your cousin Stag. How did it go overall? Anything untoward happen? Any accidents? Any rowdiness? No. Well,
0: <laughs> there were some people who got uh, ejected from certain bears, but that's just that happens. You know, it will go a bit too far. But uh, no accidents. No.
1: Okay. Uh, so it can be done on the cheap. Foot golf. Stayed in a hotel and can sail. Got the booze bus. Up and down. Had your breakfast in the morning. That included your accommodation and meal in the hotel that night. Uh, and that was this was for your cousin Stag. All for one hundred and thirty-six euros per head. Well, affordable if you plan in advance. Thanks a million, Craig. Exactly. No worries. Cheers, Thank me. you very much. Uh, Mary O'Sullivan uh, is uh, going against me and saying that Kinsale is hopping with hens every weekend. Is that true, Mary? Hey. Uh, hey.
13: Yes. Yes. Hi. I'm a hackney driver down here in Kinsale every Friday and Saturday night. It's crazy. With hens and stags. Um mentioned one, but a few. Kitty O'Shea's Bar. Um, uh, Dalton's.
1: Uh, Kenny's uh, is a great right place for a pub grub.
13: Oh my God. It's good for pub grub, but it's great for traditional music yes. and fun and crack. Acton's Hotel, the Blue Haven. Oh my God. Kinsale is just hopping. I mean, just talk of Kinsale is too expensive and just that and the other. I was in Kinsale last night. And I was speaking to a receptionist and she said to me, there wasn't one bed to be got in Kinsale for the next three nights. Mm-hmm. So put that, in, you know, where are you going? Like Kinsale, they, I speak to people from Killarney, from Kinmare. Every weekend, people come down as far as Dublin, the Stag Parties, the hen Parties come from all over and North Cork, Fermoy, Mitchellstown, everywhere.
1: Kinsale yeah, Ken, is Kinmare is very popular it. because you have that fabulous pub called the Square Point and uh, inside the back of it is the nightclub as well. That's Ken Mayer, yeah.
13: That's yes, yeah. Yeah, but our bread and butter is Kinsale. And my God, it's been a fantastic summer and it's great for him parties. And, and that fellow with his, whatever he's on about, you've got to come down to Kinsale and see what's happening there so he can, it's hopping for yeah, him parties can, and stag Kinsale
1: might be hopping, but uh, don't you take his point, it could benefit from having a nightclub open again.
13: Yeah, well, it seems to be doing all right without it, you know. The, the town is nice and... It's finished about half, 12, one o'clock. You know, you might get a few stragglers after that. But it's fine. It's doing all right without us. If there's to be a nightclub, it'll be. But, you know, Kinsale is doing fine. Yeah, there's, l- the there's
1: no late bar at the moment in Kinsale, is there? And no nightclub.
13: Well, they, they could be if you got the licence. They could be a yeah. few late bars, you know. But I think there's nothing wrong with Kinsale. It's really good. And everybody that comes down there. Like I I had people last weekend from Kinmare and they came up and they said every weekend they're in Killarney but they like to change the scenery. But I said we go down to Killarney because we, we have enough kids, sale. you know, we're yeah. locals. But it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, great to see it happening. Uh, and Good I man, I, Nick. I I know that May was a very, very important month and I mentioned this before in Dingle. The rugby. In Dingle I was told that uh, they had the busiest month ever. Uh, in it's living crazy. memory, with with uh, mostly Americans coming in, so so that yeah, well yeah, it
13: was a good month for us too because we had rugby here in Kinsale. But we have Americans now; we're living and breeding Americans, morning, noon, and night. Thank God. Only for the Americans this summer, it would have been very quiet.
1: Yeah, so that's what they were telling me in Dingle as well. Uh, well don't Mary, safe, safe driving and um, and no long, long may it continue busy and can sail. Thanks a million. Mind yourself. OK, mind thanks, yourself, thanks a, a million. Mind. I'm going to speak Sorry. to Owen Carey in a moment.
5: Text the Neil Brenderville Show now, 86 RED-FM.
1: At seven minutes to midday, I just want to acknowledge we have a response from the HSC in regarding uh, our uh, dental topic and in regarding the public dental uh, scheme for primary schools here is the response it is absolutely too long and too detailed to read in full i may do so tomorrow don't have time now because i want to get to own cory the hse offers targeted assessments preventive and restorative dental care to children in specific classes in addition to emergency dental care to children under the age of 16 in 2022 one thousand sorry 135,809 children were eligible, and 99,369 were seen by dental services, initially targeting sixth class, followed by second-class students and fourth-class students where resources are available. The remainder of this group will be targeted in the following years. Uh, Yes, the provision of clinical care was impacted by by the pandemic, causing backlogs which were reducing over the past year. And uh, so far this year, 131,600. Uh, 26 additional treatments have been provided under the Dental Treatment Services Schemes with over 24,500 extra unique patients uh, treated. The service plan will support the implementation of the government's national oral health policy, Smile and uh, including the development of comprehensive oral health care packages for rollout to children aged from birth to seven years of age. So just to acknowledge, we have a response. It is very, very detailed. Uh, We may get back to it tomorrow, but thanks to the HSE uh, for giving us that response to our item. Owen Curry, thank you for holding
5: no bother
14: at all I just
1: reminded me I need to make that dental appointment <laughs> oh, I hate them <laughs> um, best wishes to all dentists but I, I just hate going in that door uh, now the a boss uh, the, joy, yeah. the Irish boss of Australian airline Qantas has said he was leave his job immediately uh, the airline has said that Vanessa Hudson will take over as managing director and group chief executive from today Alan Joyce is that Dublin sounding Dublin speaking uh, Irishman uh, with a little uh, Australian lilt as well who's leaving after 15 years and uh, I don't think shareholders will be too happy.
14: Yeah, it's a hugely successful CEO of Qantas. Just to put a picture on this, Qantas didn't make a profit uh, from they're about 100 years old, Queensland and Northern Territory. That's where the QANTS... Oh, uh, I didn't know
1: that. That's p- good.
14: Yeah, well, famously for Scrabble players, uh, there's no U after Q. You know, so every Q has it had a U after. But Qantas, um, it was set up by a couple of ex world War One pilots. But it, it was a great sort of Australian icon, uh, the kangaroo and the tail, all of that. But it never made any money. It just lost money, hand over fist. Alan um, is from Tala and he has this sort of uh, Dublin, he started off at Aer Lingus um, and went off to run their low-cost airline because he knew how low, he would watched what Michael Leary was done with there, and he was brought over uh, to run Jetstar way back in the early 90s when I first uh, when I knew him in Aer Lingus, when I first uh, went on my hand with Australia, uh, would you know, make sure to meet up with them. He told me when he became CEO of Qantas, he had think, I can't remember I think it was 18 different trade unions and it was war it was absolute uh, some of the coverage of when he arrived was quite racist you know uh, one of the Sydney columnists said that they, we all know the Irish are the stupidest race on earth so why are they running our Australian airline and it was quite hostile 2.4 course,
1: billion um, Australian dollars in profit in the last year that's why
14: he turned to made it profitable on a huge scale. He did things like um, he signed a deal with uh, Emirates to stop the to take the second half of that London leg. This see, the London-Sydney flight was yes, so it's going to be Emirates
0: to
14: the Qantas then, yeah. Emirates yeah, would take the the Dubai. Our Qantas would fly to Dubai. He started cutting off the big loss makers, which in some cases were just flying the flag for the sake of it. He had great hostility from the unions, and the last few weeks he has been savaged, to buffeters in the media, but had uh, already announced he was going. He had already announced that he was departing. Last met him in Istanbul at the IATA conference, uh, end of May. Really great form. Glad to be out of it. Uh, yeah. And uh, he had... Uh, I, I, would,
1: I, would, I would too to with a for Qantas. I'd be glad as well with a $24 million payoff, but there you go. Uh, now, in, in recent times, and the, coming, the criticism is coming from him cozying up with, uh, with the Prime Minister, Albanese... Uh, and apparently the, the Prime Minister's son getting a chairman's lounge pass, uh, you know, into the first class lounge, that sort of thing. There's also the issue of uh, vouchers that were uh, they were time limited to the 31st of December. He made a huge U-turn on that. Uh, that, that. Those were the COVID vouchers when people couldn't fly. But the big issue really is selling tickets for flights you already know are cancelled.
14: Yeah, it's a big big issue there and a big issue on, uh, he said he wasn't going to return the government uh, money that was given during COVID. Uh, All of that, yeah... The, the cancellation is a little bit more complex than it looks at first glance. It wasn't just that they say we'll make a few bob here because these flights are cancelled. We also had um, a clearance issue. We were wasting uh, the clearance uh, from the competition authority. We also had the Australian government stepping in to limit to turn down Qatar Airways extra 21 flights on
1: Doha. So yes, that one, seems to have been a cosy <laughs> arrangement to protect Qantas's profits.
14: It looks very bad, it looks really bad, and they they're all they've all ganged up in him. As you well know, it's, and it goes to people, you know, if you want to organise a concert in Cork and you start selling tickets, you need your planning permission to be through before you can actually put one ticket on sale. So while he was fighting with bureaucracy and while he was dogged by uh, uh, obstacles in every direction, uh, Qantas appeared to have jumped the gun on the sale of the tickets and it all tanged uh, up in him horribly. And he's, uh, he's leaving, last.
1: but he's, he's just leaving early. It's, it's not as if he's, uh, he's resigning he when going, he hadn't he intended to go anyway. anyway. He was
14: going yeah. anyway, Mick.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, uh, he's been
14: a huge success story for Qantas. He's made the airline profitable, but he has been really despised in the Australian media. And a lot, I have to be sorry to say this, but a lot of the coverage is, is racistly anti Yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's very personal. Anyway, I'm sure it's water off a duck's back. Owen, oh, would you have any more time? Water talk? off a duck's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Would you have any more time you could talk to me during the week? We're getting texts on various issues regarding travel, and you are the oracle, as they say love to be back, Nick. I know you're running out of time. Yeah, we're running out of time for 12 o'clock News, but we'll get back to you later in the week and we'll talk about all things winter holidays and that kind of thing, if you don't mind. Look forward to thanks that. Thanks, so, Owen. Thank, thank you. you very much. My thanks to the show's producers, Seamus Wheelahan, Claire O'Connor and Lee Foley. And we're back tomorrow after news at nine. For
0: more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.